0: All right. so um, in, in uh,
1: many of the suttas and one that I've just been uh, banging hard on recently um, the Majjhima Nikaya number uh, 38 which is the um, Maha Tanha Sankhaya Sutta and the uh, Sankhaya actually means the destruction and that uh, this as well as many other suttas, um, the word, um, the Pali word, whichever it is, is translated as restraint (laughs) and that another way that we could use the word was control, that we learn to control ourselves, we learn to restrain ourselves and that uh, one of the points in the sutta, the Buddha mentions that when uh, the monk is well restrained, then uh, his joy uh, uh, is very high because he knows that he is blameless. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and that blameless quantity uh, uh, is, a, um, is a source or, or food for great joy. Now, we can practice that in the typical Western way of restrain, 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 work hard for year after year, and finally you give yourself permission to say that you're restrained and then you feel good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the typical way. But the way that the Buddha is actually meaning it is uh, because everything is referenced in this present moment. That if you can restrain yourself and control yourself right now, then you can take joy in the blamelessness of that right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so this is actually part of uh, Right Noble attitude the right noble attitude is no matter how obstructed the mind gets, I can clean it out and come back to this present moment over and over again. And there's a um, joy that's built into that knowledge that I can control myself.
3: Yeah. And like, I guess the things that I described were like kind of the big level, like, you know, my interactions with other people, but like you're talking about inwardly, we can look. And have restraint as well like you know maybe i'm feeling some self-loathing i can choose to not engage with that self-loathing um mm-hmm. and you know cleanse my mind or like you know weed the garden and feel that joy that blameless joy
1: yeah like i'm glad i don't have to be hard on myself
3: yeah you don't have to yeah
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so part of that restraint then requires wisdom the wisdom is, is to see the danger that we are restraining ourselves from. Now, there's many, many different definitions and and uh, examples of that. But a cute little definition or a cute little example would be the donut.
2: Yeah, that's just a good your,
1: one. Just your standard little donut from either Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' or uh, uh, Grandma Makes Them or whatever. The donut is delicious. Mm. And that's the way that they that's the reason for Dunkin' Donut to be in business is that they're delicious. Krispy Kreme, mm-hmm. they're delicious donuts, and that's what we see on the surface of everything. In fact, every manufactured product has a delicious quality to it. It's yeah. called sales uh presentation. <clears throat> to get things um, so that it uh, is attractive and that people are attracted by the attraction and therefore want it because they can see the delight in having it. But if someone goes on a diet, then they can see the danger of the donut. Well, yeah, you could see
3: the danger, but I guess it's also worth pointing out that you can go on a diet and not realize the danger of the donut. You can, you can see that, like, okay, I'm like, um, I believe that I'm, not, I'm going to, like, I believe that I'll be healthier um, if I don't eat the donut. Um, but you don't know that you are healthier um, by not eating the donut.
1: Um, One of us, uh, we've got, uh, you're cutting out oh, sorry. Uh, uh, momentarily, and then you come back, and I'm not sure whether it's uh, on this end or your end. Um, if you'll cut your microphone on and off, that um, that might help.
0: Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> okay, now try it. Um, can you hear me now?
1: Yes, I can hear you now.
3: Yeah, I guess I was just asking, like, there's a, is there a distinction between, like, believing that you shouldn't eat the donut healthier and knowing that, you know, um, eating the donut, um, not eating the donut makes you healthier? Um, Because I guess, like, I've been on a lot of diets before and, like, um, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to see, especially with, like, internal things that, like, you know, I am healthier if I I don't engage in that bad behavior, Um, like, You know, you don't necessarily see the mental effects of, like, engaging in wrong speech or something like that, unless you can have, like, the mindfulness or, like, the Uh capacity to see it.
1: But if you think about it like this, um, over time and because of a lot of advertisements and um, many other things, that seeing the danger in the donut... Uh, requires wisdom but that that wisdom is generally available Mm
2: -hmm.
1: all right but um, the uh, the wisdom of let us say harsh speech is more difficult to come by because the harsh speech when we're when we're angry and we're feeling powerful and we speak harshly to someone that we don't see the danger in that. You feel righteous like it feels you good feel, it feels well, good it feels righteous yeah. and we don't recognize that it's uh harmful and destructive yeah okay that the same thing is um a, an example of that is I had a friend a college professor one time uh uh and that his dog died and that uh in his rage he threw um I I think it was a jigger glass, one of these very heavy uh, 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 glass jiggers that's very heavy because there's a lot of glass in the bottom that's used for measuring alcohol, and he threw that through the window in his rage, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: breaking the window, (laughs) and this is Detroit in the middle of winter. Yeah. All right. So... Had he, uh, but he felt good in the rage of throwing that cup or throwing that, uh, uh, that glass through the window mm-hmm. uh, because he couldn't see the danger in doing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: After he threw the glass through the window, only then could he see the danger. That was a stupid move to bust and break out the window in the middle of wintertime.
3: Yeah, but, like, he couldn't see the danger in that. Like, he, I mean, he was, you know, feeling these very strong emotions. Uh, he wasn't, like, seeing the situation
1: clearly. Can't see the situation clearly. Exactly. All right. So, let us do it this way. Let us say that the definition of stupid, the word stupid, is is that we can... uh can see the danger, at least up to a certain level. We can't see the full extent of the danger, but we can see the danger a little bit. But we do it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, A clear example of that. 70 million people, most of whom knew and have known for more than four years that Donald Trump is a liar, He is a cheat. He is a thief. He's a charlatan. He is uh, a criminal and his behavior is corrupt. They've known that. They vote for him anyway. Hmm. Because they don't see
3: the danger on the other side
1: or like there's some rationalization. They don't see the danger in all of that criminality where, in fact, the, the lies and the criminality for a wise man on the surface, he can see. That that's very dangerous behavior but so
3: so we all have like kind of these blind spots or like things where it's hard to see um it's hard to see the danger a lot of times um and is that kind of the the process of like being able to like wake up like kind of that relentless like being like aha uh-huh, like can i see danger here like or mm-hmm. where's the danger um i don't know maybe i'm muddling the words but it's kind of just like developing that wisdom over time, like being able to recognize that.
1: Exactly. So that's what means the wisdom grows is because we can see how things are going to turn out. We can yeah. see the danger. Um, a clear example of that uh, that I saw when I was a kid is. Uh, raised in the south back in the 1950s everybody went hunting there was still a lot of deer and that uh, one of the things that was uh impressed upon me by the way that the guys uh the adults acted was uh every gun everyone is watching every gun for which direction is pointed mm-hmm. With the idea of don't put that don't point that gun to me. So even if he's got a shotgun that's laying over his arm like that, and he's just swinging around and talking, if he swings over to uh, to Joe and Joe sees that gun pointed at him, he'll say something about it. Yeah,
3: yeah, I've been to okay. the gun range a couple of times, and yeah, when anybody's not following that rule, it's like yeah, everybody knows
1: right I didn't tell, I've never been to a gun range, so I don't know that, but I would imagine that that's number one rule on the wall is do not point your weapon at anybody
3: yeah, like people are very alert to that danger,
1: and they're very alert to that danger, right Well, the wisdom then would be when all of those guys go home, they begin to look at everything like a gun about to go off
2: Mhm.
1: That we look for danger or we look for dukkha in everywhere. This is part of the uh, uh, the point that the number one first noble truth is there is dukkha. And the implication is look out for it. Yeah. Become alert. Be, be, vigilant.
3: be, be vigilant or like
1: yeah. Be vigilant, uh huh. Right. Wakey wakey. Let's wake up and see the dangers so that they can be avoided. Yeah. So, if in fact, um, well, let's let's talk about it this way. In the progression of the Dhamma, when a person first starts um, practicing correctly, the first major milestone that they make is the one that I talk about for students often, which is no matter how obstructed the mind is, they can see the danger in that obstruction, clean the mind out, and come back to this present moment. Mm-hmm. That's the first knowledge that is noble, super mundane, a factor of the path, and not shared by ordinary people. Why? Because ordinary people cannot see the danger. Ordinary they, people can't see the danger. Yeah. They, right. They can't see how dangerous it is. To let the mind go around being obstructed with past and future and thoughts of old arguments and uh, unfinished business and jobs and all of that kind of stuff. And possibly the reason for it is, is that, hmm, let us say it this way. When you're up to your hips in, uh, in the swamp and you're up to your hips in alligators, it's hard to remember the original intention was to drain the swamp. But yeah. a further point would be, it's hard to remember that you can just get out of the swamp, you can leave. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. and I think we actually, a while ago, we were talking about, um, I don't know, like things that feel like they're persistent, like things that we feel like we're clinging to, like for me, like anxiety or something like that. It can mm-hmm. feel like it's permanent or like that it's with you all the time. And that'd be like almost like a form of being in that swamp and just feeling like, oh, like, I don't know how to get out of the swamp. Like, I don't know where it is. Like, uh, not knowing that you have the tools to like come back to the present moment um, and, you know, apply right effort or like, I don't know, whatever the right thing is there to get yourself out of the swamp.
1: Well, you're certainly touching on a side point, And that side point is that um, we have to understand that everything is dependently arising. Everything is subject to a fuel. And that magical thinking is thing is to say that things exist or that they arise without a fuel. Okay, Generally, so everything has that, a fuel. Everything has a fuel. Mm-hmm. That this is, in fact, the basic teaching of the Buddha, of Idiapapajayata, also known as Paticca samuppada which means with this there is that. When this goes away, that will uh, liable to be uh, falling apart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. When you remove
3: the fuel from the fire, if you
2: likely the to fuel fall from apart. The
1: fire, go the fire will, will go out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. That's important because it's also true of anxiety that anxiety is not there all the time. But when it is there, we notice it's there. And so we have the idea then, well, it's there and I just don't notice it. Rather than, oh no, it actually is dependent upon other factors. And when those other factors arise, then anxiety will be here.
3: Yeah, yeah, like if I'm thinking like, if my mind's in a like, not in a noble state, I guess, or like if I'm not thinking nobly then it would appear that those are permanent and consistent. But mm-hmm. you know, if my mind is in a noble place, then I would yeah recognize that you know if these things are impermanent. They like um, are not there all the time. Like if you that's you know normal. and perform your investigation, like you can see that there's you know places that's where right. it doesn't exist or times when it doesn't exist. Um, and yeah, and so that's kind of like what you the wisdom you would develop, like the in the
2: different the and wisdom. there's like a lot of
3: different fuels. Like so it would be like. Um, You know, maybe you have wisdom about anxiety, like maybe you would have wisdom about anger,
1: like you'd have to understand the fuels that go into those. Exactly so, which means then the hindrances are normally the fuels for this anxiety. And so when you remove the hindrances and take a deep breath, the anxiety can go away, which actually means then in that statement that I made is is that no matter how obstructed the mind gets, with the obstruction of the hindrances and the agitation and worry and anxiety and all of that kind of stuff, we can still intentionally relax. Can we can still take intentionally the feelings away from that fire and come back and see the reality of the situation or see the truth in this present moment. And the this present moment, the truth is is that the anxiety is not here.
0: Yeah, it's not like,
1: here. It's is here and it yeah, comes we, up and it goes away according to its own fuel yeah
3: we have the tools to do our investigation and to pluck it out
1: Mm-hmm. so moving right along from this uh, from the first to the second noble truth where the mind gets really really fit for work into the third of really understanding what the teachings of the buddha are which has to do with this wisdom of seeing the danger and being able to avoid it. And by avoiding that, we avoid the danger in that, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. This is actually then the real teaching of the Buddha in Dukkha, Dukkha, Narodha. You have to see the Dukkha and then avoid it. Yeah, remove the clinging or like. Right. Yeah. so this is a major major wake up in the noble uh, students mindset mm-hmm. where he begins to to go literally on a vigil to make sure that he is not causing suffering so the example would be um, uh, the husband is looking for something and um he doesn't know what it is, where it is, but he knew exactly where he put it. Mm-hmm. And so he asks the wife, where is it? Yeah. And she says, oh, I put it in the other room in there. And so he'll say, what? I've been waiting for it. I've been looking. And then he recognizes, and he wakes up to that anger
2: mm-hmm.
1: to recognize he loves his wife. Why? Why should he be putting her down, right? Yeah. And so he's, he wakes up if, he's, if he is wise. And he can come out of that anger very quickly, no matter how obstructed the mind is by being frustrated with looking for something. In fact, she told him where it was. She answered his frustration. Yeah. She fixed and- his problem for him. He to- she told him what, where it was that he was looking for. But we don't have gratitude for that. We have anger
2: instead. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I guess, like, there could be varying, like, there could be wisdom at varying points, like, it could be, like, before, like, even after he yells, he'd be like, oh, like, that was a bad response, or, like, feeling it bubble up, being like, oh, like, I'm getting angry, like, I should keep my mouth shut, or, like, Mm -hmm. even before it turns into that feeling, or something
1: like that. All right, so, uh, this brings us, then, to the fourth uh, knowledge which is actually now part of the fruit, or this is the beginning of the fruit of Sotapan, and that is to be willing to admit when we are wrong. Hmm. Now, in the Sutta, it talks about that uh, the young monk, when he has had some wrongdoing, he will go to either his teacher or to a senior, an elder monk. That it doesn't make good sense to... um, For a wise man to confess or to apologize to a foolish man, just like kids. They don't apologize to each other because they don't accept the apology. Yeah. They're not wise enough to accept the apology. All right. And so we get in the habit of, for various reasons, that we should hide our wrongdoing. That if our wrongdoing is known, then I will suffer more because we're coming under the position of uh, wrongdoing, the response to wrongdoing is punishment, Mm -hmm. criticism. Now, we can understand that um, uh, authority, we have a a kind of a built-in authority system within the mind that Eric Byrne calls the parent ego state. And the parent ego state of of the human mind uh, learns its job from... Uh, One's parents. And so the job in the beginning for a parent, the mom, she nourishes, she takes care of the baby, she feeds the baby, she changes his diapers, and she gives the young child some um, uh, instruction, and he begins to pick up language. But by the time the child is six years old, the nurturing begins to change from nurturing into criticism.
2: Hmm.
3: So it's and, that ego so, state kind of like beating yourself up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We take all of the rites, rules, rituals, ceremonies, uh, ways to do things, your oughts, your shoulds, your coulds, your woulds, and all of that, and put it into a certain frame of mind, which is the parent ego state. And then we are critical of ourselves for that. Mm-hmm. And also because we're critical of ourselves, we're critical of others and because we're critical of others then when we do wrong we are not only critical of ourselves but we expect criticism from from other people
3: we expect criticism criticism from other people as in people telling us when we're
1: wrong right which can which can be i mean criticism can get pretty heavy duty you can be in handcuffs you could go to the back of the jail and you can rot in prison. I mean, that's pretty well heavy duty criticism.
3: Okay. So you're saying like there's kind of this parenting attitude or like this criticism that we're expecting externally. Um, and we also do that to ourselves. we like, and we also, I don't know, do if that I engage in, if I eat that donut, then like I'm going to be like, oh, I shouldn't eat that donut. Like that's,
1: I shouldn't bad for have me. eaten that donut. Right. After I've eaten it, now I shouldn't have eaten it. So those, that's the criticism. Hmm. All right. So basically what we're getting to is the fact that we do not want to recognize our wrongdoing. We don't want to see that we've done wrong. Oh, yeah, of course.
3: Yeah, because the critic
1: in but, the back but of your mind. That. That's a really interesting point. But why is it, of course, that we don't want to uh, 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 let it be known when we screwed up?
3: I mean, because we're going to have this, like, other per like, we're- I mean, criticism hurts. I mean, like, it hurts your feelings. Like, it makes you feel bad about yourself.
1: Ah, but if we hide it, then we have the mentality, I can get away with it. The very warning to hide it is the mentality, I can get away with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which now means is that this is wrongdoing. It's been pointed out. Everyone assumes, I assume that this is wrongdoing, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway because I can get away with it and I see some benefit in it. Okay, so
3: like if I ate that donut, you know, maybe I'll think I shouldn't have eaten that donut, but then it's going to be my tendency to and what we'll forget that same about it thought, and move on to the, the next. next
1: donut. And we'll have that same thought in the next donut, and we didn't really learn anything from that, I I shouldn't have eaten that donut.
3: Because we're just kind of ignoring the repercussions, we're ignoring the, I mean, yeah, we're trying to cut off that critic.
1: Trying to escape from it. Yeah. Trying to escape from the criticism of the wrongdoing. Yeah. But now the Sangha is set up completely differently. The Sangha is not there for criticizing young monks. It's there there to rehabilitate them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So an example of that would be if a young monk uh, commits some, uh, let us say, heinous offense, whatever that means, the monks around him may know it, but they're not going to tell his family. Mm -hmm. This is not lay people's business because the lay people will be critical. In fact, mom may even go so far as to go to the wad, grab her son by the ear and take him home and burn his robes. Yeah. Because she has too much respect for the Sangha to allow her son to sully the Sangha by his bad behavior. And so she doesn't want to have the reputation in the community of her son being a bad monk. You see mm-hmm. where all of that is going, okay? So this is the part of the reason that the lay people are not informed by the sangha when a monk is misbehaved it's because this is a area for them to because everyone comes to the temple uh and ordains or comes and lives at the temple misbehaves
3: yeah i mean it's it's a place for you to like break out of that cycle of to rehabilitate and
1: yeah right to rehabilitate That's Mm -hmm. the whole idea.
3: Um, It's like if if you break a precept or something, it's more of like a learning
1: opportunity. It's not a. Exactly. We learn by our mistakes. Yeah. So this fourth step then is the step where we are willing to admit our mistakes because it's only through our mistakes that we will grow. In other words, if I'm causing myself and other people suffering, but I don't want to see it as wrongdoing, and I'm trying to hide it from myself and others, then that actually is dooming me to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true, um, let us say, with the Catholic that the idea of a confession is really excellent, that in fact... That's exactly what the, the Buddhist monks do. This is part of the ceremony of Padi Monk. Every month or every two weeks, depending upon uh, where they do it, um, <clears throat> either on the full moon or on both the full moon and the new moon, part of the ceremony is, is that the, the senior monks will go around the wad giving all the junior monks an opportunity to actually confess easily. And then at the beginning of the ceremony, every young monk will, uh, will chant uh, a confession uh, to absolve himself of all of the uh, wrongdoings there and, and does the confession so that when the monks go into Paddy Mork, they can do it the way that the monk, or excuse me, the Buddha talked about it in the sense of, oh monks, Look at this large assembly here. And all of this large assembly. Is free from wrongdoing. Yeah. And isn't that true? And all the monks look around and they agree. Yeah. That we're getting over and we're absolving the whole sangha of any wrongdoing. It's like kind of that blameless idea of. So like that they hold, hold each other blameless. Yeah. So that they can be friends. does see in the West wrongdoing. If you do wrong against me, now we're enemies.
3: Yeah, it's it's strange because like I don't know, you hear about scandals occasionally or whatever, like in uh, I don't know, um, in a lot of the monasteries or whatever in the West and uh, um it's always people are out for blood. It's like not a learning opportunity. It's like, oh, get that person removed from whatever they're
1: doing. Um, I know of several stories like that. One of them is Buddhist and the other one is a Gurjeev story. Um, uh, In in the Buddhist uh, story, um, the young monk uh, is caught and taken to the old master, Uh, and all of the monks are outraged that this kid has done this, that, and the other thing, and uh, um, when they bring him, the the head monk says, oh, all right, well, you, the one who's being accused, you come down and you sit beside me here, and you stay here. You stay beside me. Okay, what that happened was, is that all the accusers then became jealous. Why should the the abbot put this guy beside him and ignore them when they brought him here because of his wrongdoing? Yeah. And then the abbot says, well, look at how you're feeling right now. (laughs) True, yeah. Yeah, look at how you're feeling, because your feeling here is now um uh as much of the wrongdoing as you know dragging him up for for court is just as wrong as the wrongdoing in the first place, yeah, they're acting in that like parental role or like that criticism right they exactly exactly they've taken not on a criticism. Friend, anyway, yeah. they're not being friendly with him. Okay. The other example, which is actually kind of humorous, this comes out of uh, the tales of Gurdjieff. Back in the 1920s, he had a huge, huge mansion uh, outside of Paris, and it was sort of a a training institute like this. Uh, And um, many examples. It's really a fun uh, story. Uh, One was that Gurdjieff, uh, with one of the merchants in town, one of the restaurateurs, he got a job at this restaurant waiting tables,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that the restaurateur um, abided by the regulations of uh, uh, Gurji. And the, the regulation was is that on every day, a new one of my students will come to do the waiting of the tables so that it winds up that six or seven people then will only have to work once a week mm-hmm. and that they share the salary among them. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. And I don't know of any place that allows that kind of thing, where people only have to work once a week. That'd be pretty handy. <laughs> yeah. And they get sufficient. Um, mostly our salaries are squandered. So this this idea then um, that Gurdjieff had, he had a guy that was foul mouth, obnoxious, hard to deal with, no one liked him. And so they got up a delegation to go to Gurdjieff to say, why do you have this guy here? And Gurjeev's answer was, look at what you guys are doing. That's why he's here. He is here. I, I keep him here simply because he's an irritant to you. Yeah. <laughs> for your own spiritual growth, for your own spiritual journey so this is in fact now the fourth knowledge the fourth knowledge is is that we have the, the knowledge that is super mundane a factor of the path and certainly not held by ordinary people that we are quite willing to apologize we're quite willing to see that we've done wrong and that we can learn from that that in fact that's what scientific investigation scientific experimentation is all about so we can learn from our mistakes.
3: And that's because you would know that, like, um, you know, not being able to deal with the mistakes, not being able to see the results of whatever you've done, kind of clouds, like, prevents you from taking
1: the right action in the future or, like, taking the right step forward in the future. Exactly, exactly. If we confess with the idea that I'm getting this literally off my chest because I can feel the weight of it, on my chest. And what a relief it is to get this stuff off my chest, that I back into uh, a community within the commune. I'm back in harmony again. And that that feels so much better than, um, for instance, back to the the point where the guy uh, was angry at his wife because she moved something. And then she told him where it was. If if he is grateful for her, then he's back in community again. But if he harbors, oh, look how hard I had to look for that thing. Then he's going to be separate and pulled apart. Our feelings yeah. separate from others.
3: Yeah, like, you know, fine fights in other places, you know, where there isn't any need for it. Just because, mm-hmm. I
1: don't know, he lost his keys earlier. And so the basic idea then is for rehabilitation Mm. rather than punishment. Yeah. Uh, Now, that means that now we're eager to see our wrongdoing because seeing the wrongdoing eager is the same thing as being eager to see Dukkha. We can see it. Only when we see it is there an escape. If we cannot see the danger, then we will not see the escape. All we will see is the... um, gratification in other words we can see the the good part about it but we can't see the uh the downside everything has an upside and a downside and that so a lot of what uh uh you could say that another way of looking at the buddha's teaching of dukkha dukkha Naroda is uh, is to say that basically uh buddhism is a cost benefit analysis hmm. What is the cost, what is the dukkha, and what is the benefit? And generally, the cost is higher than the benefit. And therefore, let's not do that. Yeah. And so we restrain ourselves. We learn to control ourselves.
3: We learn to, yeah. Okay, yeah. We learn to restrain ourselves. We learn to, like, be able to see, um, see the consequences of our actions, like... Um, i don't know the bad thought patterns i don't know the way we talk all these different things so that Mm -hmm. we can do better the next time or right now right now right right now
1: you're right right we can come out of it right now and we will make a mental note to be on guard for that the next time it comes up
3: yeah is that like inner critic that we have um i feel like with with certain emotions you get close to them like you try to observe them you try to investigate um, it could be painful and you circle away. Um, is that kind of that critic? Is that the avoidance of like understanding the impact or like the effects
1: of what's going on? Like, yes, I would say that sometimes pain avoidance and what we do to avoid pain, because we do it unwisely, we wind up in more pain. Mm hmm. An example is, is that the child broke something that was dear to the parent. And so he takes that item that's broke and he hides it. Mm-hmm. Thinking that if he was caught with it. Now, if he'd taken the item to his mom and said, mom, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to break this. Then, you know, he'll have to deal with whatever level that she has for that. But if he hides it, and now she goes searching for it and looking for it, and is getting more and more frustrated because it's dear to her and she's fine, and she looks and looks and looks. And finally she finds it where he's hidden it. Now she's going to be furious. Mm-hmm. And she's angry because he's lied to her. he's she's angry because she he's hidden and prevented her from finding. And so she's ne- definitely now going to be much more critical.
2: Yeah, Before because all might have been a, a,
1: a chastisement and a hug. Now he's going to get a spanking. Yeah, and so
3: it's like there's a lack of honesty there, or like it, it's better to be honest with yourself, and I guess with other people as well, um, and to avoid that hiding, to avoid um you know avoid it like to be able to see uh-huh. things as they actually are as opposed to like you know a mental fabrication or
1: well i would say that most lies <clears throat> most lying is done for pain avoidance in other words uh, it's the avoidance of getting, getting caught for wrongdoing and so instead of confessing it and getting over it and getting rehabilitated Now we go deeper into it. Now, not only have you done wrong, but now we're into a cover-up.
3: Yeah, we had, like, layers of delusion and being like, oh, well, like, I lied because of that. This other thing's important, and I need to, like, uphold that thing or whatever. Like, it's just like Mm -hmm. like, layers of complication.
1: And sometimes that cover-up requires lie after lie after lie after lie.
2: Yeah, And so
1: there's almost no end to it. Yeah all in the case of uh the little boy avoiding fessing up and say i accidentally broke your piece of jewelry or your uh, china figurine or whatever it was that we can c- confess i did wrong mm-hmm. i broke it let me see if i can help uh, with some sort of rehabilitation some retribution if we had that as a mentality for our entire civilization, then we would have many, many more social workers and a whole lot fewer uh, prison guards. Yeah. But we but have our, the
3: our, mindset of punishment.
1: But our, but our whole culture's mindset is in punishment
2: mm-hmm.
1: for wrongdoing rather than rehabilitation. And because of the punishment for wrongdoing, that's why you expect, huh, this is kind of funny because when I was a kid, the whole idea everybody, everyone that I knew was that people don't lie, everybody tells the truth, and yet what is set up in our society is, is that people are going to lie, even when the truth would serve them better. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into such a habit of lying because we're trying to cover over and prevent uh, uh, wrongdoing from uh, being seen. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. If we confess correctly, joyfully, with the idea of finishing it off, then we can go through the rehabilitation easily. But if we don't, if we try to hide it, then we'll do it again and then try to hide that one, too. And now we do it a third time, and now we've got three things to hide. And now we've got a, a fourth one that we keep doing wrong, doing the same thing or other things wrong. And we wind up having to cover up a whole lot of wrongdoing. A really yeah, clear example so- of that is the Trump administration. I mean, look how much time and effort they spend trying to cover up the lies that they've told. Yeah. You know, lie after lie after lie, I hear 20,000 so far.
2: <laughs>
1: so, from Trump alone.
3: It's quite a few. Um, yeah, I guess, like, so we've talked a lot about, you know, confessing to other people, or like, confessing in a monastic setting. Like, um, can we confess to ourselves? Or, like, can we be honest with ourselves while also avoiding that inner critic
1: ultimately Um, that's exactly the only way to do it
3: i mean that's what we'd want to do um Mm -hmm. yeah i guess like the monastic setting like helps promote that or like having surrounding yourself with good people that you that are your friends like kind of helps with that as well um well Well, i guess it's like following the eightfold path kind of like one of the mm -hmm. side effects would be being honest with yourself or, like, maybe one of the requirements?
1: Let's put it this way. Like that. If you're hurting yourself and only yourself, then it makes sense for you to confess your own wrongdoing to yourself and rehabilitate yourself. But if what you've done is uh, uh, also harming others, now we need to do a broader rehabilitation.
2: hmm
1: Okay? So that we're not harming others. That's the whole idea then about the Paddy monk and the Sangha is, is that the monks rehabilitate themselves so that they can stay in community. If a monk has done something wrong and feels guilty about it, then he will break himself away from that community. So the idea of the Sangha then is everyone's friends, everyone does wrong from time to time, but we we get it out we and and get over it yeah i guess like as a
3: lay person though i work i walk through my day like harming other people um you know engaging in wrong speech like um like it's much easier in a non like in a you know living in i don't know kind of being a software engineer doing like whatever to you know le- have lapses in awareness um, like there's just so many more distractions like there's so many more things like coming at you that you have to like be vigilant against um mm-hmm. and so, you
1: you live around a, a pack of liars
3: yeah i mean myself included i mean i'm steeped in society included, right um like there're just certain like lies that you grow up with i mean lies i guess like um i don't know you know we all delude ourselves. Well, maybe not all of us. I guess the Buddha didn't delude himself. But um, it's easier to be deluded. It's easier to be like greedy, um, living in society than like
1: in a monastic environment. I guess. I with... think that you put it too high. In the sense of like only a Buddha. Yeah. All right. This is actually something that anyone can do.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I was. So anybody living, a, can do
1: living a noble life is something that many people can do. So it's not that
3: limited it's to
0: mo- uh, like monks or, life. or life. There's not that. A, a lay person, person is...
3: could, you know, lead a noble life as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I've been worried about. Like, I don't know. Yes, why. I was hoping the culmination would be like, oh, yeah, you have to be a monk to like, you know.
1: No, but it really does help to be yeah, around sure. nobles. Yeah. It rubs off. Just your conversations with me has had a rubbing off effect. Yeah. Alright. So uh but uh being around Bhikkhu Buddha and being around Achan Po, things rubbed off.
2: Hmm.
1: I use the word rubbing off. I, I, but it you're um you're in an atmosphere or you're in a um let us say that a fish in a creek or a fish in a pond will respond to the quality of the water that he's in. Mm-hmm. If if that fish is actually in a sewer, then he's going to die, and a lot of rivers have been turned into sewers, we know, because of all the dead fish floating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But there is also water that is conducive to the good health of fish. Mm-hmm. They have found that, in fact, blocking the water with dams has been greatly detrimental to the fish because the fish let us say, um, evolved and grew up over many, many centuries with the way that the water was before man started building dams and polluting the water. Yeah. All right. But you can also see the important point is is that the environment that the fish is in has a great deal of effect upon him. Mm -hmm. And so if you go as a fish and start living in clean water with some other really good high quality fish then your life is going to be much better than if you are living in a sewer
3: yeah that makes sense
1: Um, right well sometimes um uh work environments are like a sewer other mm -hmm. times they're only slightly polluted but the whole idea of getting away from the world then is to getting away with other nobles so that we have a really excellent environment and it does rub off. Yeah, okay. it's a good foundation
3: so, to practice these things and to grow and, I don't know, like develop the factors.
1: Or... There's, there's nothing unusual or special about this, that we know this, that in fact, this is out, actually comes out of our instinct. The herding instinct, the nesting instinct, our instinct to get to go along to get along. If we go along with nobles to get along, we'll be living in pretty noble life. Mm-hmm. If we go along to get along and we're working for the godfather, then we're going to have a pretty heavy-duty life with a lot of fear.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can you know look at the way we live we can look at the people we like associate with like these are all great ways of um
0: yeah like cultivating the qualities
3: that we want so and yeah we can choose um, to be honest with ourselves it's not i don't have to live in a monastic environment to like like yeah i'm just i'm going to see things for how they are
1: other nobles this is what the word sangha really is all about and so some people can say, oh, well, the Sangha is only uh, the monks. And others will say, oh, no, the Sangha is only the noble monks. Only a very few monks are in the Sangha, and a lot of monks are not. And then other people will say, oh, no, anybody who lives in the temple is in the Sangha. And then others will say, well, we've started a retreat center or a, uh, um, a meditation hall here, and we all meet once a, once a week. And meditate together, and therefore we are a sangha.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and this is not the right word to look, right way to look at the sangha, but rather to look at the sangha as a community, and that it doesn't matter when, where, or how often it operates. What it has to do with is—is is it noble or not?
3: Yeah. Well, what if we looked around and we said. This is my sangha. These are the noble people that I associate with. And what if we make that decision that regardless of who's around us, that these are nobles that I'm interacting with?
1: Is that? Well, this is one of the reasons why I would um, encourage the students who call on Skype to get to know each other that if you're practicing in, De- in Detroit, and somebody else is practicing in San Francisco, and you're living your lives uh, in San Francisco with all the regular people in San Francisco, then your Dhamma is going to be slow. But with Skype and with other tools of the internet, if you have a community of nobles, then they can talk together, they can inspire each other. It's not that they're getting their Dhamma from a teacher, they're just getting dhamma from each other.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've, I believe it's yeah, great to build a network of people that you can mm-hmm. talk to, um, you know, that are trying to build the same qualities that you are. I guess I was just getting at, like, um, what if a truth to that noble person is that the people that are around them are mm-hmm. noble? Like, what if you, you know, even, you know, that person that annoys you? <laughs> Like that person's a noble, I'm going to treat them, you know, like my relationship with them is going to be like follow the Brahma Baharas. Um, you know, I'm going to see the good or I'm going to see the good qualities there um, or I'm going to mm-hmm. see that person for like how they are and treat them. Um, like with respect and whatnot,
1: then could you just okay. treat the
3: whole world as your song? I, I mean, I guess it sounds well, kind of dumb. Well, let us say if like...
1: someone is bad behaving and he goes around and lives in other people's bad behavior, he's going to be around them and he's going to continue that behavior and the criticism and the covering it up because of the criticism, et cetera, like that. Just the old ordinary world. But now this guy comes and is around in nobles, and they find him forgiving or they're they're forgiving towards him, and they're accepting towards him, then he will begin to behave the way they are. Let me give you several examples of this, though they're not noble. Hmm. But if someone is an alcoholic, he's a barfly, he lives in the bar, he drinks in the bar, and then he decides that he's an alcoholic and he joins AA, one of the things that AA uh, requests for him is is that, okay, now that you're in AA, you should hang around AA people and stop hanging around with all of your old barfly friends. If somebody joins the AA but spends all of his time in the bar with his barfly friends, guess what? He's not going to get much out of AA. Yeah. But if he stays in AA and associates with new friends in AA, and everyone has uh, got the same problem of trying to avoid alcohol, they can help each other avoid it. It's very unlikely for two AA dudes to get together and go to the bar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very unlikely. But if uh, uh, but if your new member of the AA gets together with one of old drinking buddies, the likelihood is they will go to the bar.
2: Mm-hmm
1: okay that's one example next example when a young man gets married he uh in many cultures they have a a bachelor party which means all of his old bachelor friends are there just to celebrate him getting married and also to say goodbye because once somebody gets married and now he has a wife and he includes her and so he, he generally begins to have married friends and he no longer associates with his um uh, bachelor friends if he continues to associate with his bachelor friends it will have detrimental influence on his marriage mm-hmm. point number three When, so, for whatever reason or ever how it's done when somebody joins the military the first thing that the military does with him is take him out of his house take him away from his family get him ready and then put him into boot camp yeah, And you want to keep him away from all of the other people who were uh, civilians and uh, put him only with soldiers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? So we see it with AA, we see it with uh, marriage, we see it with joining military. You can see that in many coups. Or uh, excuse me, um, uh, cults. That the cult leader wants to keep people away from the ordinary society because the ordinary society is going to say, hey, guys, look at that cult. You better not be in there. And so the cult, in order to indoctrinate people, want to get them out of society. So both for good or for bad reasons, this is also what the idea of a congregation for a church is. so that they associate together uh in wholesome ways rather than unwholesome ways okay yeah i guess
3: okay so i guess the buddha there's a story about the buddha that was kind of interesting that i heard the other day in that um they sent an assassin after him and then like guess assassin to kill that assassin and then an assassin to kill the assassin assassin's assassin or something like that um, and then the the buddha was like oh like uh, was able to um, conveyed to him them like the I don't know something that like let them awaken on the spot or whatever, and then mm-hmm. they kind of became a part of the fold. Um, you know, the Buddha didn't decide not to associate with them because they were sent there to kill him. Um, it seems like oh, you're
1: talking you know, they about were the almost, story of Angulimala.
3: Yeah, it seems like they were almost able to like be noble because of their presence,
1: and because so what I'm saying is like the presence of nobles, people tend to become more noble.
3: Yeah, so. We should, you know, engage with people that are noble, but we should also probably engage with people that aren't noble, like those assassins, because, you know, they could be noble. Um,
1: they could see, you know, the ah, fruits of your effort. But that, that's when your nobility is fully established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right. But in the process of establishment of nobility, it is better to solidify that nobility in the presence of others. Yeah,
3: I agree. I mean, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense practically. Like, I, I get that it makes a lot of sense practically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good would can
1: survive in sewage for a little
3: while. Yeah, it just, it seemed a little, I mean, it seems intuitive and it makes sense. Like, than, Thanissero, Biku, like, talks about this, you know, surround yourself with people uh, that are good or, like, that are noble. Um, but um, it seems like there's another element of, like, you know, the people around you can be noble as well. Like, you can be a font of like um, goodwill to those around you um, mm-hmm. that I shouldn't like exclude people in my life. I mean, like there are certainly obvious examples. Like if you're an alcoholic, um, then yeah, you wouldn't want to associate with people that drink alcohol. Like I am currently like not enlightened or whatever. So it would make sense that I wouldn't want to, you know, engage with people that trigger certain bad behaviors in me.
1: Okay. All right, well, let's use that as an example then. Let us say that the idea is to walk into the bar and proselyze against alcohol. That's going to be pretty tough. The barkeeper, the owner of the bar, they've got uh, uh, some pretty heavy investment in in selling alcohol in the bar. And also the people who are in the bar already. So proselyzing against alcohol may not, in fact, be the best thing to do in a bar no but you could go to the bar with your friend not engage in
3: drinking okay but you
1: can occasionally go into the bar to for some other reason perhaps to go rescue a friend who is drunk in the back of the bar and take him out of the bar
3: mm -hmm. yeah you can take more people out of the bar
1: with you than you went in with exactly that's the, the point now let's take that to an ordinary conversation. Let us say that, for whatever reason, uh, Daddy watches a particular news program every day, and every day he gets angry Mm -hmm. because of the news program. He may be watching Fox and listen to what Fox says and getting angry at what they're talking about, or he can watch Fox and get angry at Fox because of what they're saying. But mm-hmm. in either case, Dad gets angry. Now, how is Junior going to handle Dad depends upon his own level of nobility, that we can go and try to cheer Dad up, but then Dad uh, turns his anger from the television to his son, and the son kind of slinks off mm-hmm. because he's not ready to handle nobility. His uh, joy is not good enough or big enough yet but Mm -hmm. after he's well practiced he goes back and he talks to dad and dad's very angry about the television and you can uh with enough joy you can begin to wear down his anger asking him questions and get dad to settle down Mm -hmm. but you have to have that um (laughs) i say it like this this is what we're talking about is mudita And that you have to have enough joy, because his anger is huge. Mm -hmm. Every day he gets angry, and it's a huge anger. Anger about politics, or anger about this and that and the other thing. So that means that you have to have enough joy to overwhelm his anger. Mm -hmm. Which means that we don't do our joy with a teaspoon. We have to have a shovel. Mm-hmm. which means that we need to find a show And the better, easier place to get that is by being around the nobles. If that young noble boy is only at home and is always around his dad, who is always angry about the TV, it's going to be very difficult for him to have enough joy. Not impossible. But if the boy spends a lot of time with nobles, who spend their time in joy and talking about the Dhamma and the delights of the Dhamma, then that will help replenish or get his supply of joy so that then he can handle his dad. All right? Now you can say at that higher level, when the Buddha's got unremitting joy, then he can handle even Angulimala, the assassin yeah yeah that makes sense um i guess i was just pushing back or
3: like having this discussion because it feels a little incongruent or like with the attitude that we want to cultivate to be like i'm gonna you know um i i guess we do want to be vigilant you know like we want to um be on guard for things that um I, i don't know for like uh for duca um Pluck it out when it's there. Um, but, like, the, the attitude that we're to cultivate is that, like, we can do it. Like, that, you know, we could, you know, an assassin comes to us, like, or whatever, and, like, we're able to convince them that like, oh, like, there's a better way or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is a process. You know, you won't have unremitting joy, um, you know, maybe when you're starting out. I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe you're natural or something like that. But, realistically speaking, you know, you don't want to be an alcoholic and walk into a bar.
1: All right. So... Now we can begin to sum this up in the sense of why then did the Buddha start the Sangha at all? For several reasons. One is so that nobles could associate with nobles and help each other along the path. Mm -hmm. But another reason to start the Sangha is to give an organization-like quality or an object that people could see so that they could know when they got, let us say, they got inspired to practice Sadama, that there was in fact an organization that they could join so that they could change their lifestyle completely mm-hmm. and be among friends and live among friends and talk among friends and live a life of friendly. This is also, you've heard, in many cases, the Buddha is very big on friendship. So basically what we could say is the Sangha then can be defined as noble friends. The Sangha Mm -hmm. that I live in is because I'm collecting nobles around me. And so this is the way that we want to look uh, and that in Thailand, that noble Sangha is pervasive. There is a Watt in every village. I don't know how many Watts there are. I've heard that there there are about 20,000 Watts that don't even have any monks in them, but most <laughs> of the Watts do have monks.
2: Mm.
1: They've been abandoned Some of them have been abandoned over time. Uh, but that the number of Watts that, um, are in use is in the literally maybe thirty, forty thousand 40,000 Watts are currently in use in Thailand and they serve that noble purpose, but in the West other than with other religions like Christianity having churches and whatnot, not uh, the, the Buddhist we don't have a community yet that mm-hmm. in fact what we generally have are Dhamma teachers who are competing with each other mm-hmm. oh I'm a better teacher than he is come give me your donation or come by my retreat and so uh, the advertisement does not advertise synergy and wholeness it advertises aspects that are still part of ordinary society possibly the the funniest one is when some well-known Dhamma teacher will try to get out the boat I think that's just so ridiculous I mean if you're going to learn to leave the world then let's leave it, let's not go back and vote and then leave That if you if you can see with wisdom that both parties have their problems and that neither one of them are worth actually voting for, then we don't vote.
2: Ooh, that's an have-
3: interesting question.
1: Because
3: we are supposed to use our brains sometimes. And if you can build a chain of logic to say that, you know, um, this one person would, like, lead to less suffering and hundreds of thousands of people, um, then would you want to take that small action, um, on your part to like maybe move the needle in one direction? Um, and so it would make sense to engage your, the people that listen to you to like, I don't know, maybe explain that reasoning so that they can help move the needle as well. Um, I mean, sure. Yeah. Maybe it's not as like well thought out as that.
1: But sometimes ah, it is really clear but cut. The needle doesn't move because someone is elected who is better than the other one. The needle moves because people change their mentality, let us say, from ordinary to noble. An example of that is that there is a certain amount of politics in Thailand.
2: Yeah.
1: There is a certain amount because of the army and the coups and and all of that kind of stuff. But one of the things that we do know is is that at least the Watt is a place where it's free of politics. There is no politics. People who are inside the Watt are not thinking about yellow shirts or red shirts and things like that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That they think about, that's something that those people do. Maybe a few of them can come to the Watt and learn some Dhamma, and then they will avoid uh, protest and and street movements and riots and voting. And if enough people do that, then there won't be enough people out there rioting and voting. That a few of the people who come to live in the Watt and don't care about politics anymore were actually politicians before. And now they don't care enough about politics to even be, be a politician. And they're, um, they're a Dama dude now.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So you're saying like, um, you know, we want to change the mentality of people. We want more people in the Watt, We want more people waking up and having like a noble mind. Um, mm-hmm. Voting would have some impact on um, the lives of other people. And if that impact, if, like, that result um, would bring more people into the watt, then, like, why not take that action?
1: Okay. So, basically, what we mean by voting is which barking dog
0: has the most sheep? Which barking dog has the most sheep? hmm
1: So, you'll have one barking dog saying, oh... Immigrants are bad. Blacks are bad. Um, uh, We've got to keep track of this thing. We've got to make America great again. Bark, 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 bark. And the other side is over there barking. Look how bad those folks are. We need to get this place back to normalcy. Right? And so the question of the voting is, who's got the most sheeple? Which barking dog has the most sheep? Are you going to be a sheep and does it matter if you're a sheep which of these two groups you're in because you're there just listening to some barking dog i think it
3: depends on if we care about um Uh bringing more people into the sangha if or like if we care about um reducing the harm on other people then those would Mm -hmm. be perfectly valid reasons like within the eightfold path to take an action to You know, vote for one of those.
1: Maybe then the right thing to do is to go to one group or the other, the sheep, and talk to one or two sheep in that great big crowd of sheep to say, "Hey, why do you want to listen to this barking dog or that barking dog over there? Let's just go off and have our own party." Yeah, but why not do both? Because it's Uh, it's not a
3: it's not an either or in that situation. It seems just really morally, um, if in very obvious choices, if it was like you know, 50-50, like, you can't really see the harm that one candidate would do is less than the other, then, like, you know, maybe it's morally ambiguous not to vote or not to encourage other
1: people to vote. Um, but Guess if it would what? reduce
3: the suffering Guess of other people...
1: What? You don't know what the future's going to bring. Here's, let me give you this scenario. Trump gets reelected. He continues to be doing what he's doing now. And now people begin to really have an uprising. And so there's a huge sea change in uh, the 2022 election. All right, And that because of that, they literally decapitate him as a president as well as uh, some other changes, and he winds up in prison before his term is finished. That's a possible scenario. In other words, things by voting for Trump, America could get cleaned out quicker than if they just postpone it and just keep the same old, same old. That going into voting for Biden then is just going to bring back the old normalcy where you have many starving people and the government is just inept and not doing anything for anyone.
3: Mm, even in the Dhamma, we deal with ambiguity, though. Ah, um, you have okay. to look at so, many different situations. I mean, um, I think there are certain moral choices that are pretty ambiguous. You know, you don't have to cling to the vote. You could, but I don't see any reason, any, if you believe that something would reduce harm for other people, if it's very clear. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see why you wouldn't take that action. Um, I do see why I, I see what you're getting at in that you're, you're trying to, like, say that, you know, there's this like societal option that's like very ambiguous and like uh, can't really see the future. But like if you can say like, oh, well, this, you know, this one will probably lead to better outcomes for a lot of people. Um, that'll it could potentially have more people in the sangha because there'll it'll be easier for
1: them to wake up. Uh um, ah, but guess what a whole lot of people is not up to you as an individual. Of I mean, in fact a lot of people don't vote because in fact they can see the disgust in the whole political show. And uh, they have nothing to do with the yeah, dialogue, I mean I don't they...
2: disagree
3: with you there like it can be gross and disgusting but like um Yeah, I mean it seems a little Hoity toity to say, um, you know, I'm not going to take this action that could result in, that could help, um, you know, lead Ah, to a lot less suffering.
1: Does that action take a result? How many people, in other words, the voting is all about whose herd is bigger? Which barking dog's herd of sheep is bigger? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and you're like loading the you're
3: like you're the language a little bit, but yeah, like uh um, it is about like how many people are like saying they want it one way versus how many people say they want it the other way.
1: Mhm. All right. So um, if you if you are a sheep and you go and join that bigger herd, you haven't helped anybody do anything. Ooh. And Have you heard, you heard of you the go trolley go problem and before? And if you go and join the smaller herd, you still haven't helped or done anything. Other than your own feelings, mm, so the whole idea is—pardon? That's not true. That's that What's, doesn't seem very wise. What? But an individual vote—if Michigan had a hundred and fifty thousand more votes for for Biden than they do for Trump, then how will a hundred and fifty thousand and one vote? Be any better for Donald uh, for um, uh, Biden? Because mm, we don't have, know how many boats will be in exactly. I mean, um,
0: that's yeah. why we don't
1: know. That's the whole that we don't know what are, what effect things are going to be. But but we do know the- if we're wise how we feel, and if we feel good, then we can accept the government that we have. Can we do because both Because most people do not accept the government that they have. They hate it and they're out active and they're trying to do something and it always winds up this group pushes against that group and that we can't tell um, which group is going to win. We don't know those things. um okay
3: so it sounds like you're saying that you know a vote is not necessarily going to lead to any one outcome
2: uh we don't know true we don't know
3: and we i don't know have you heard of the trolley problem before what trolley problem charlie's problem trolley so like you have i don't know there's there's a train coming and like you can pull the lever and either like on one track, there's a thousand people that die. And on another track, there's like 10 people that die. Mm-hmm. like, do you pull mm-hmm. the lever or not? Like, uh, no. you just, you choose not to pull the I lever. I didn't you set just... that up. I don't okay, have so to pull any Okay, so you would let more people die than
1: the... Well, let us say it this way. The guys who made the trolley caused that problem, not the guy who throws levers. Why well, didn't they put a better so, faith system in the trolley? I mean, yeah, it's just a and thought
0: what experiment. What about the guy yeah. who's, uh, I,
1: I hear that there's two ways of doing it. One is is that uh, the people who are going to die are uh, tied to the trolley tracks. Well, didn't the guy who tied them to the trolley tracks, isn't he more uh, guilty
0: than the guy who did or didn't pull a lever?
3: Yeah, so it's not,
0: it's not moral to save lives. Um, it's not moral to
1: wrestle in the mud with a pig. I think it's okay to save
3: lives. It's okay to save lives. I if think it's okay, okay to take an action. You're doing. regardless, Like if you can take an action to save lives or to like reduce the harm in someone's, someone else's life. It seems Look, that like I, we have a, there's a part of the eightfold path that says, like, you should pull that lever. You should reduce suffering uh, if you can. Like, uh, suffering. I mean, if That's only the for the selfish reason. Thank you. Psyche, I'm sorry, go ahead. Or even if not, like, just because of the impact on your own psyche, like, of killing a thousand people, uh, it would be harder to, like, clear your brain out. Like, it'd be harder to, I mean, I know we can, but, like, you know, living with the weight of all that death might be even more difficult like there's selfish reasons there's like unselfish reasons to like you know choose to save the lives um and and that's overly simplified um Mm -hmm. yeah i guess i just i don't see the problem with like if you have a decent chain of logic to say like hey like there's a good chance that taking this action would you know help other people um to you know take that action um and and I, i get your point like that you know voting is ambiguous like and this is a messy like societal problem you know that um, it's not, it's not spiritual, like it's kind of muddy. It's, you know, you're rolled around with the pig, but we don't have to attach ourselves to it. You know, like you could just assess the situation, take the correct action, move on.
1: Let's bring this, let's put it this in, in another way that may um, have an indication of what we're talking about here. You have no doubt heard that uh, the NRA has made the statement that the best option... For a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah, it's have a, you ever heard that? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's pursue that for a bit. It is dumb. It's easy to see that it's dumb. In fact, there have been instances where uh, just recently that two people were killed. One was a security guard that was unarmed. And then the other one was an orthopedic police officer that had a gun. Mm -hmm. And he got killed. He got killed because he got involved. He went in there to vote against this uh, uh, criminal that was shooting him up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it didn't work. He got killed, too. So a good guy with a gun is not the right idea of solution for a bad guy with a gun. The right solution would be a bad guy without a gun. Yeah. Or or without the means to hurt a lot of people. Sure. Okay. So um, this whole idea then of um, being armed with the vote uh, is nebulous. There's another way of looking at it. Um, Let us say 70 million people got this idea that they don't have to vote. And let's say that they were all Biden voters. And 70 of us decided this time we're not gonna vote at the polls, we're gonna vote with our feet. And all of a sudden, Thailand now has 70 million new residents because they all <laughs> moved to Thailand, they moved out of the United States. That would be quite a thing for Thailand to have to, uh, to deal with, is their population doubling immediately. But the point of it is, is that the politics in the United States would completely fall apart. Yeah. It just fall apart completely. It might Mm -hmm. have some detrimental influence for a little while, but eventually the 70 million left that voted all for Trump in that election, they now break up into uh, divisions and they start to fight with each other.
0: That basically always the wisdom is, is to get out of the fight.
1: Rather than saying, oh, if I fight with this team, then the results will be better. Because that's always the mentality. Everybody has that mentality. Is is that I want to vote for my guy because if my guy wins, my life and everybody's life is going to be better.
3: Hmm. I mean, OK, so you're saying we're equating voting to fighting. Isn't um, it? I don't strictly disagree, because if you get down to it, a lot of things are violence. A lot of things are, you know, imposing your will on another person. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what a government's
1: for, isn't it?
3: I agree, but I, I mean, I see where are getting at. It just is not imposing its will mind. on like, the
1: right people. It's the uh, wealthy now with the government is imposing their will on the poor, but a, uh, a better government would have um, opposing their will on the rich people taking their money and giving it to the poor. So a Robin Hood kind of government is better than a uh, capitalist government. The socialistic governments are better than capitalistic governments. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasha and the Buddha agree on that. I the guess question is, saying, how like, much mudras do you want to do?
3: I don't see any problem with like taking stock of the situation, seeing what it is for, like in reality, um, and then taking a taking an action to that you that you think would um, lead to less suffering in other people's lives, especially if it's very clear cut. Um, you know, I don't think it necessarily equates to the the fighting examples you brought up. Um, I, I do get that there's like, you know, there's movement, there's some sort of like, uh, action there. Um, but yeah, like if it would reduce the suffering of other people, like if there's a pretty like clear chain of events that would lead to other people, um, being harmed less, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with talking to other noble people being like, okay, like what's consistent with our values? Like what would move the world mm-hmm. a tiny bit closer, um, to, it, it, in a better direction, you know, it's not like a, you don't have to throw the baby out
1: with the bathwater. Right. OK. So in that regard, then having conversations with nobles about politics would be a better conversation than having that same conversation with, uh, let us say, people who are so avid in supporting Trump that they want to have children locked up because they're immigrants so i do
3: agree so i think maybe here's where like i got sidetracked in that you're saying you wouldn't want to abuse a position of power to like influence other people so like uh, the leader of a sangha uh, you personally it would be a bad choice for you to tell me how to vote um or to vote (laughs) or to vote like okay like maybe it would be irresponsible of you to discuss with people say like okay here's like my values here's how i here's the action that i think would produce the best result, that maybe could be irresponsible. In a situation with your peers, might not be a little more ambiguous there. Um, and you may feel more comfortable, like making your case that, you know, taking this action, you know, pulling pulling the lever on the trolley problem, you know, to save people's lives. Um, you could be more comfortable that, that those other people would have the tools to, like, kind of grapple with those topics. Um, or do you disagree with that?
1: Um, the trolley problem, uh, which is actually a setup, it's a um, it's a situation that doesn't exist. Very few people go around pulling levers like that uh, in in that trolley problem as an um, an exercise in morality, uh, but. Basically, the no, what I know of the trolley problem is is that it is basically a choice between something really terrible and something even worse than that. Sure. And yeah. that if you take an action, the really, really terrible thing will happen. But if you do take an action, you, you will save it from very terrible, but you're actually now intentionally causing... The less terrible thing to happen. Yeah. How are you going to feel about that? About the less terrible thing happening? About te- about you causing the terrible, the less terrible, but the terrible thing to happen. Uh. To where the more terrible thing that happened would be, uh, none of your business. <laughs> that's that's
3: tricky. Um, you know, I'd probably feel pretty bad about it, but you know, it at is some level, why right, of- you would. To take though, is it more moral for me to feel bad because I know I have the ability to wake up and see things for how they are, um, you know, get the gunk out of my brain? Like I may be able to process that, um, and you know, help save other people, like reduce the suffering in other people's
1: lives. Um, uh-huh. It's a difficult. Well, maybe decision. instead of throwing the uh, the lever for which track that the, tr- uh, the trolley is going to go to why don't, as the trolley comes by that lever, we jump on board and apply the brakes? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a
2: simplistic scenario. Um, Yeah, it's just trying to to highlight,
3: like, a choice where, yeah, something bad would happen, and then maybe something less bad or, like, nothing bad would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just trying to highlight that, you know, maybe there's an action that we can take that would cause less suffering. Um, And so that's kind of what I was trying to point out. Like, is it okay to, like, engage in the world when it would cause – Like, you know, less suffering to happen, you know, maybe engaging in violence directly. That's a very obvious, like, you know, now we're back to the good guy with a gun. Yeah, Yeah, good guy with a gun. Um, You know, voting, I don't think is on the same tier, like intuitively, I don't think it's on the same tier as like um, enacting you know, like physical violence. In other words,
1: um, the uh, the good guy with the gun who goes into it, he's like the only good guy with the gun. You don't have 10 million good guys with guns after that one bad guy.
3: Is so it okay die. for you to throw a rope to somebody that's drowning? Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. That's, an that's violence. <laughs> yes, but when there are uh, 75 million people out there drowning... That's overwhelming, maybe what in that regard that you can just save one. And then out of his gratitude, he saves two more. And then out of their gratitude, each one of them saves two and pretty soon we can get up to 75, 65 million. That's what the Dhamma is all about, is let's not try to save 70
0: million people, let's just save one. Hmm. Yeah. But why not do both? I don't know. Like, I just
3: don't see any problem with saving people in the trolley problem. Like, you know, if I if I was like, fully oh, well, awake- let's
1: go back then to the, seven, the to the 10 million guys with good guys with guns after the one guy uh, with uh, the bad guy with a gun. All right. And, and that's the case. Then how much better is 10 million and one good guys with a gun?
3: How much better is 10 million in one good guys with
1: a gun? Over 10 million good guys with a gun.
3: I don't see how it's comparable.
1: All right. Here's the way. There are many people uh, in this past election who were not just going to vote, but were out canvassing. They were out um, advertising. They were putting their money in. They were sending money, and the money that they sent in got into uh, television ads. Mm -hmm. And so you can call these people political activists. Mm -hmm. And they were there by the millions on both sides. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just say 10 million again. 10 million activists. All Mm -hmm. of them for Trump or all of them for uh, Biden. Is 10 million and one activists going to be enough to throw the uh, uh, the vote from one to the other? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, it, probably not. Uh, but, okay, so look at it this, this way, is, is that it depends upon if one guy is drowning and I'm the only guy on the shore, of course I'm going to do something. And because I can swim, I don't mind going out into the water. But two guys—let us say that one guy is drowning, and the only guy that can save him jumps in the water too, but he can't swim either. Now you've got two drowning people.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Going back to the to the uh, to the story of dads watching uh, Fox News and getting angry. If we engage him and we don't know how to swim in joy, we're winding up going to be drowning in his anger. Mm -hmm. So let's look at it from always the small individual, what you can do, as opposed to, oh, I need to lend my tiny, tiny, tiny little weight to all of these other millions and millions of people and join them because I feel so bad about how the government is operating, and I can save millions of people by uh, voting for Donald. Uh, excuse me, for for Joe Biden. Because so look at magnitude. all the people. Yeah, I disagree. I think
3: it's okay to do small good. <laughs> it's okay for me to spend ten minutes to vote. I mean, if like, it only is all...
1: ten minutes. Yeah,
3: it is. It didn't take long.
1: But look how many people have been spending, not just all day long, standing in line, but some of them have also been working for weeks and months and months, working to the best of their ability, and having a lot of bad feelings along the way, and especially having the bad feeling. I mean, look at, at on voting day, they didn't have the result. And so everybody in the United States is unhappy. Yeah, there's like they skillful and
3: unskillful ways to handle handle that. Like mm-hmm.
2: um, Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, I'm not let's, suggesting let's any amount of things.
1: If you can find a skillful way for voting, then go for it. Well, I mean, why like
3: okay, if you can find a skillful way. So you're saying you can't skillfully
1: Most voting is done unskillfully. Most voting is done with trying to see some personal advantage. Remember earlier when I was giving you the definition of stupid, that people can see how bad Trump as a politician really is. Many people can see that. Well, guess what? A whole lot of other people can see how bad and wishy-washy and no good, no account Joe Biden is, and they can point out all of the uh, duplicited times that he has uh, agreed with, meddled with, and joined with the Republicans. And so now you have the progressives. They don't like Biden either.
3: I think it's pretty obvious that one of those choices Leads to greatly reduced but it's suffering. it's
0: obvious to you.
3: Obvious to me. And
1: it may be obvious also to me. And in that realm. I agree with you. But what I'm also putting out. Is, is that while it is obvious to you. And obvious to me. There's an awful lot of stupidity out there. There will always be ambiguous actions that
3: we take where we don't know the results of that will be positive or negative in the universe. I I could take a action that I believe is moral that, you know, accidentally hurts a lot of people. But Mm -hmm. my mind remains clear and I just don't see the impact of that because I'm not looking in the right place. Um, But that is true for a million and one actions that we take um so we always have to grapple with ambiguity um so you know i think somebody on the other side of the aisle could probably make the same argument that i'm making for their candidate um Mm -hmm. but i wish i think is what you're pointing out um you know but if if i do believe that inaction would like reduce if it is fairly clear that inaction would i mean like other people will be deluded other people will be like Whatever, like you have to have some certain amount of confidence that you're like interpreting the world correctly. Um, and if I mm-hmm. see that one action will result in like a, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives potentially being like less hard or like, um, you know, less deaths or anything like that, um, that also that ultimately seems like kind of good for the Sangha. Like it, it seems like you would want to bring people in, you'd want more people realizing, uh, you know, the Four Noble Truths. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see any reason to, like, not take minor actions that could potentially help other people. I do get that you don't want to, like, um, get wrapped up in the machinations. You don't want to, like, dirty yourself with that. But I thought a lot of the point of this was that so that you could, like, engage, like, with the world. You could be of this world,
1: but not a part of it. Be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, So, like, we can be in the world. world. How did that work out for him?
3: I mean, I think you can die gracefully, and I think he came close to that. He did that. That we got to do. I mean, we're ultimately trying to cultivate, like, we don't want to be afraid of death. Um, Mm -hmm. I know you brought up some examples of, like, people trying to, you know, block a gunman. Um, You know, and I hope that, like, if I thought I could help in a situation like that, and, you know, bodily harm would come upon me, that um, I wouldn't think twice. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I'm in that situation, but, um, yeah, I mean, we ha- I, I guess I just see that, like, some, some issues seem kind of, you know, obvious, like, you know, I don't want kids locked in cages, you know, um, if I think, you know, certain foreign policy decisions or whatever, like, I don't know, maybe you could make the argument that I shouldn't be engaging with any of these lines of thought that would reduce in, like, hundreds of thousands of lives lost, but if you could
1: do that in a skillful way, I don't see the problem with it. I have had... Let us say this year, dozens of good ideas, not one of them, is going to be implemented. Yeah. Okay. One of the good ideas that I've had is is to relocate all the nukes out of Turkey into uh, an area of Ukraine that I know. Boy, if they put the nukes in Ukraine and put a big U.S. military base in Ukraine, that would really change world politics. Yeah. And and taking all of those troops out of Turkey would not do Erdogan any good. Okay, so these are the kind of ideas. Also, using derelict uh, abandoned housing for the homeless would be a very, very good idea. Not going to happen. You're Just getting all the that, delusion
3: without any of the benefits, though, because <laughs> you're not participating right? in the political process. Well, that's because we because don't you're really know. are thinking about all this stuff. You're dirtying huh? your mind by thinking about Erdogan just like I dirty my mind by thinking about like reading the Wall Street Journal or like New York Times occasionally. So I don't see any difference here in that we're both rolling around in the mud, hey, hey, but I'm saying I'm okay with
1: it. Okay, here's the difference. The difference is that I recognize that my good ideas are not going to happen. Yeah, I know that
3: these my ideas. And that are...
1: all they are is just a good idea. Um, I mean, I guess we're talking about,
3: I'm just saying that I think certain people are equipped to, uh, that these people will make decisions that Will result in less deaths, and that's very Unfortunately, clear.
1: Unfortunately, none of them are politicians.
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, the
1: world's a dirty place. I mean, we
3: would
2: like to the world to is clear. a
1: dirty, dirty place, and, yeah. and if you get too much involved with politics, that really is like mud wrestling a pig.
2: Agree, you get all muddy, and the pig
1: enjoys it. <laughs> that's why we cultivate uh, good inner qualities
3: so that we can uh, wake up and see, see the muck.
1: Um, Right, we have to wake up and see the mud and and see the whole idea about nobility is is that we don't mud rustle. But the nobles do not go downtown Bangkok for protest. Sure. That any monk who is in any of those protests uh, will be chastised. And occasionally, there have been some spectacular problems. An example of that was is that there was a monk who got involved in the uh, um, uh, Rihanga, uh, the Muslim group that was in in Burma.: Yeah, but these are all examples of like unskillful ways of engaging in politics. Un- well, getting engaged is unskillful. Because mm. it invites unskillful engagement. How can you get engaged and still be skillful? Here's an example, okay? Jesus went into the temple, and he saw that the money changers were defiling the temple. And so he decided he was going to overturn the tables and throw the money changers out of the temple. What the Buddha would have done was the Buddha would have gone to uh, to Caiaphas, I think the guy's name is, and talked to him and pointed out that these um, uh, bankers are defiling the temple by being in here doing their money changing. Why don't you just move them outside?
0: Why don't you just move them outside? Yeah, just move them out of the temple. That's what Jesus wanted. He, wanted them.
1: he didn't want them to kill all the money changers. He just wanted them out of the temple. He's engaging in
3: politics if he does that. Pardon? <laughs> I mean, he'd be engaging in politics if he did that.
1: Well, the Buddha did exactly that kind of engagement. But yeah, the Buddha's but he politicking didn't there. Oh, he didn't join the sheep. He went and had a conversation with the barking dog. You see, we don't have to convert just one sheep. If we can convert a barking dog, we can save the whole crowd of sheep.
0: I don't disagree.
1: That's why he had the um, uh, uh, the communication. He actually was good friends with both King Bimbisara and King, King Pasanati. King Pasanati was of the West and uh, King Bimbisara was of the, of the East. And that they had joint mutual kingdoms and everything was hunky-dory so long as the Buddha was good friends with both of them. But a hundred years after the Buddha's death, now you've got war on your hands. But the point is, is that the Buddha did, because of his position, work with the top, the people who were in charge, the royalty, and that Jesus was not able to do that. His relationship with Caiaphas and with Pontius Pilate was uh, tainted. It was tainted with uh, accusations of wrongdoing and things like this. So, uh, going to the point of, if, if you want to change how the sheep are voting, then maybe we should get uh, Biden into the Dhamma. But all maybe. that happened in that, maybe. Okay, so this is the, the idea then, is, is that uh, instead of voting, we can spread Dhamma. Maybe if Biden a good question. doesn't need the Dhamma so much, if Donald Trump needs some dharma. <laughs> if
3: one action leads to the president, a hundred presidents from now being Buddhist or like coming into the fold uh, versus one action leads to like that never happening. Um, like, why wouldn't you pitch in and do a minor effort to bring about
1: the, uh, one outcome over the other? Because all I know is, is that friendship works. And division Um, and dividing and my group is better than your group and voting against you and voting for you is divisive. So in my mind, in my mind. One of these groups.
3: Is more compassionate. One of these groups would lead to less suffering. So I'll take this minor action to bring about that change that is certainly uncertain. (laughs) Let us say that
1: you recognize this group as unwholesome and and in comparison, you go join this group because they appear to be wholesome. I'm not saying
3: join anything. I'm saying like we can take one action.
1: I mean, it just goes
3: back to the trolley problem. Like, you know, there are two bad things that are about to happen. One is orders of magnitude worse than the other. Um, you know, we could choose to disengage from that, but um it it doesn't it doesn't seem moral, uh, it doesn't seem consistent with the with anything that we
1: talked about. It does, if we with wisdom, know that it can have some value, and everything is subject to one's individual observation to come to that if we do it with wisdom if we do it with investigation then uh we can do it in a way where we can let us say um help the outcome without actually getting in the mud and wrestling with the pig Mm -hmm. we can invite the pig to dinner or something I agree that it'll be hard to do that. Like, I certainly didn't engage
3: in, I mean, I voted and I didn't do it skillfully. Like, I was certainly mad at Uh times. Um, But we, you know, we we often talk about ideals. We don't talk about, you
1: know. or We're talking about hypotheticals. Voting is a hypothetical. Let's let's follow it along just one little bit more. Uh, Rather than uh, being merely a voter or merely being a volunteer for a campaign, let us say that we really do want to con- uh, to make some changes to Washington. We really want to con- uh, to uh, get in there and do some good, which a lot of people do by yeah. the tens of thousands every year. And so, uh, with the connection that you have as friendship with the mayor, you get on the representative's um, uh, staff, and maybe. Uh, three or four years from now helping the uh, 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 the Senate candidate get elected. And so now you get on the senatorial staff. So you've got all of these staffers in Washington, as far as congressmen and whatnot, we've got um, uh, 100 senators, 435, you got some uh, vice presidents and presidents and that kind of thing. So let's say that we've got less than 600 officials. But you've got tens and tens of thousands of people who go to Washington to drain the swamp. And they wind up uh, in that uh, uh, line drawing showing that when when you are up to your hips in alligators, it's hard to remember that you're there. Your original intention was to drain the swamp. Okay. So a little bit of draining the swamp is a vote. A little bit more draining of the swamp is becoming politically active. Even more draining the swamp is actually getting a job in Washington and go and live in the swamp. Yeah. Nobody's drained that swamp yet. In fact, it's getting fuller and fuller with swamp creatures. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, it's hard to remember that our original intention to, was to drain the swamp when we're up to our hips and alligators. So... Back to that story about the young man. the The son goes in with his dad, angry at the television, and he winds up being in the swamp, surrounded by the alligators of his dad's anger, and he can't sw- he can't drain the swamp. Mm-hmm. T- tens of thousands of people every year go to Washington to try to drain the swamp, and every one of them winds up being in the swamp and eventually a swamp creature. Yeah. With every one of them have the idea that I'm here to drain the swamp and not one of them takes even a whole cup full of water out of that swamp. Uh,
3: I mean, I think moral progress is probably a good sign that things are moving in a generally positive direction.
1: Ah, but Um, moral progress, now we're talking MLK. Martin Luther King? No, I don't know.
3: It's just I, I didn't know he talked about moral progress. I'm just saying, like... Oh, know, the, trend well, is going the arc somewhere of the positive, universe
1: I mean. bends towards justice or something like that. Yeah, I mean... Okay. A lot Basically, of what that... we can say is, is that over in the past, humanity was really ignorant. Mm-hmm. And because of humanity being really ignorant, we were really violent. Yeah. And we had things like uh, uh, Rome, which wanted to conquer, subjugate, and make slaves out of any and everybody that wasn't a citizen of Rome. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've had the same thing, similar with ancient uh, Chinese emperors and whatnot like that. But over time, as humanity has slowly begun to wake up, now we live in a culture that's not quite so violent. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue that way. That in fact, everybody generally now has the idea that violence is not moral. Yes. But 2,000 years ago, killing your enemy was the right thing to do. That was the moral thing to do. Save your tribe. That guy's a criminal. Let's kill him. Yeah, of course. Okay. So basically what you're actually saying is, is that it's not justice or it's not society, what it is, is it's education, that it's knowledge, and that as Dhamma dudes, if you want to vote, your vote is to go teach the Dhamma. Yeah, I I don't disagree.
3: I guess what I was just trying to convey is that, you know, through the day I am faced with a thousand decisions that take a varying amount of time with um, varying uncertain impacts. Um, And you know, like the monk examples, you know, a lot of monks have, you know, participated in politics to poor ends. Um, that's totally true. Um, but, like, voting, um, you know, certain low-level engagements with society um, seem kind of, like, at least for a lay person like me, seem inevitable. That I wake up, um, I engage with some of these systems, and, like, I would want to engage with them in a healthy way, or at least, like, a healthier way, um, in that... You know, voting one direction seems to have some minute chance of uh, having a positive impact um, on the world. Um,
1: It's fairly obvious in certain situations. um, But don't you think then teaching the Dhamma has impact? I'm not sure. I have not uh, counted. I don't know how many. I haven't done a survey of how many people's emails I have or how many people I've contacted on Skype or whatever, but it's been hundreds.
3: Yeah, it's just like, why not do both? Why not engage, you know, with people and well, have I, friends? Let us not? say that I voted.
1: Okay. In the past four years that I've talked to hundreds of people and talked to Dama and talked to Dama and doing value and, and all. Versus voting one time in a presidential election, and let us say that I voted for Trump, and he yep. lost. Okay, but he was my man, so now I wind up feeling bad. Or if I voted for uh, Biden, and look how long it took. So everybody who voted for Biden was still, and a lot of them are still very, very tense. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure that he's going to be president? Are you sure we're going to get rid of Donald Trump? Et cetera, like that. So now they've got all of this um, uh, curiosity and um, confusion. All of these feelings that are associated with uh, the original vote was, is that, oh, well, I want to save hundreds of thousands of people's lives that are going to die because Donald Trump is a bad president, which is is the mentality. I mean, people
3: act unskillfully, for sure. Like, I mean, everybody acts unskillfully. Or not everybody, but, like, uh, the majority of people act unskillfully. Um, Just because they acted unskillfully in one situation doesn't mean that it would be impossible for somebody with the toolkit to, like, you know, monitor their, like, internal state to um, partake Uh in an action skillfully. So
1: let's do the risk-benefit analysis. The okay. risk-benefit analysis is is that my vote is worth very, very little. As much as they tell me that every vote counts, yes, they count them, but when in Michigan alone, uh, Biden wins by 150,000 votes, 150,001 vote is going to be very, very minor. My yeah, personal, agree. individual vote. however. Yeah, 100%. The benefit is very low then. However, the cost to me of wanting Biden to win is uh, a great toll. Look how much suffering there is in the United States over people wanting their candidate to win. Wouldn't it have been great if we had 150 million happy campers who didn't care a whit about the government and didn't care about voting at all? That they were all happy campers? That in fact, what, that's what happens when a government is really good. When a government is really good and really benign and does its job very well, then people don't care about the government. It is only when the government is misbehaving do people start to feel big the same thing is happening in thailand right now you have the yellow shirts and the red shirts well i'm not sure that they're wearing red shirts anymore but they're out in numbers and uh, and the yellow shirts who support the uh the old um established thai government they recognize that the old established thai government's got some problems they everybody does but they're out there fighting with each other just like the Dems and the Republicans, they're out fighting with each other. So yeah, nobody I mean, agrees as to which
3: way to go. I totally. I mean, like, yeah. As an like if an alcoholic wouldn't want to walk into a bar. Somebody that is, you know, gets you know really heated by politics. You know, maybe it'd be better for them. The cost benefit analysis it could be better to like disengage. But I would guess, like, somebody like you who is like aware of their internal state, like, could see like, oh, like there's a lot of tension there or something like that um you know could you know take a deep breath drop off the ballot like not even think about it you know because they understand in reality that you know the impact you know the chance that their vote matters is probably really low but maybe the benefits um could be very great for a lot of people uh so i guess but the cost that's to the, the individual
1: reason. in his feelings about which way he wants the voting to go
3: but maybe the cost could be really low to someone like you who has
1: developed the toolkit all right. OK, so now we're back to the vote. So the wisdom and the ability to see what's going on outweighs the vote itself.
3: Mm, yeah, but it just depends on how you do the math. Like, I mean, you could if you
1: think something okay, is like an over of magnitude. That's what that's what we're getting at. Yeah,
2: like and, if you say,
3: like the cost is. um you know, low to you, like the cost of voting is low to you probably, um, but the benefit, okay, like the benefit on one side, like this could benefit, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, um, in like a substantial way, uh, like that math could work out so that like, yeah, you know, maybe you recognize the cost of you as somebody that knows how to deal with that sort of stress, um, that you're willing to take that on and like, you know, drop off that ballot somewhere. Um, now. I don't think that's true for everybody. Like, I mean, it's kind of hard to like monitor. I mean, it might be hard to see how wrapped up you are in it. Like these might be like kind of deep seated triggers, but I guess it just goes back to that question of like, what sort of things is it okay to engage with? Like kind of the trolley problem. (laughs) Like, I mean, I guess the trolley problem is really direct in that like your action is actually, you know, benefiting the lives of, a large amount of people whereas you know in the vote, like you may not necessarily like your chance of impacting somebody's life is very low it's like a decimal exactly, or a fraction
1: wh- what you're pointing out in then now is that things are not all of that clear cut they're not cut and dried. some
0: and situations
3: people- they could be though like the cost could be kind of low uh the benefits could be really high like the math could work out i guess to engage That's- with society
1: society at risk to your own person that's possible for you possibly well it's
3: not possible. For me i'm not very i don't have any wisdom
1: because you well now you're saying that um that it's really hard for you to to get engaged with politics enough to know about politics to know which one to vote for well i think i think in, the, in some cases it's
3: very obvious. Involved.
1: yeah sure how can you remain
3: above it Yeah, like uh, maybe I take a deep breath as I'm dropping off my ballot or like, ooh, before I like, I don't know, Washington sends out you a big book that says like, you know, some basic stuff written by like the people uh, that are running or whatever. Like maybe you read through that, but in like a serene, calm state without getting too angry. Uh, Maybe you don't go to New York Times or Washington Post for your information. Maybe you like, um, I don't know, just read some more. I, don't, I just feel like certain decisions are clear-cut, have a low cost. Um, I do see what you're coming that like angle. Like, yeah, getting involved in politics does the cost is probably a lot higher than like I'm letting on that I'm seeing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, with that real deep, uh, wise cost-benefit analysis, the wisdom will show that it is better for me to feel good about humanity. Rather than saying this particular political party is better than that one, and I'm making a choice about it. Like I said, wouldn't it be marvelous if, in fact, nobody cared enough to vote? That the voting, uh, the number of people who voted was less than 2%. And that every yeah, time that somebody did vote, the reason that they voted was because they had really, really a lot of bad feelings and hatred for the guy they want to get out of office. Yeah, but what if we didn't have those
3: things? Like, I mean, I agree that, like, yeah, and these like the worst case examples. But like, I don't know. Maybe there's a way that we can engage with the world uh, where we can, you know, you know, not get wrapped up in these things. Um, yeah, I mean, it just seems hard for me. It seems like there are some actions that we take that are, like, kind of good for other people that maybe have some, like, costs to us, some hidden costs, or, like, I mean, it seems like there are some situations in which it's probably a good decision to take an action. I don't know whether it's, like, tossing a rope to somebody drowning or, like, you know, pulling the lever in the trolley problem. Um, And I guess, like, I thought this was supposed to be, like, a mundane, like, we work in the material world, like. You know, we're not just like trying to spiritual bypass everything like we do have mm-hmm. to look at things realistically. And sometimes if you look at them realistically, it's just kind of plain.
1: Well, let's go back to that tossing someone um, a life raft or tossing them a rope that they're drowning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, let's say that on the shore or on the bank or on the, uh, the, the, the ship or whatever the situation is that I'm not the only one there. That in fact, there's hundreds of people with hundreds of ropes and hundreds of life uh, preservers and rafts. And there are all hundreds of them throwing them at the guy
0: who's drowning. Wouldn't it, it, be, better if you have- case, wouldn't it be better in that
1: case that I not bothered to throw my um, life raft or life preserver out there? because the water's already full of life-preservers preserving preservers, and the guy is still drowning. Maybe even in the case that the
0: preservers are part of the problem. One of them hit him in the head. If you have the skills to be able to help that person, why not help them? If you were
3: in a position to help that person, um, then you should do it. The world
1: is full of helpers. The world is full of helpers.
0: The the world is full of helpers. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I get that.
1: The world is full of helpers, right. They're all all out there voting and out there rioting and out there brandishing their weapons and out there saying my my team is right and your team is wrong.
0: And they're all helpers. Okay, so
3: we shouldn't help people. We shouldn't throw them a rope. We're a unless they're to help. asking for it. Unless they're
1: asking. For it. Yeah,
0: if they ask me, hey, will you throw me a life raft? Of course, I'll throw them a life raft. Seems it's a little absurd. Just, just, hmm?
3: It doesn't. This well, doesn't it, seem material. This doesn't seem. It, it seems absurd. It seems like more contrived than the trolley problem. Um, it's not highlighting. I mean, I get what you're saying, and that like the impact is tiny. And uh, I get that, like, well, you say, the issue like, of the we take with the trolley problem is
1: too simple. Yeah. The issue with the, with the trolley problem is way, way too simple. Do you either throw the lever or not? If you throw the lever, people will die. But if you don't throw the lever, more people will die. I know the story.
3: Yeah, there's, there's more hidden
1: variables. Exactly. Like how many people right now are actually trying to throw that lever beside me? Perhaps if I go to try to throw the lever, I'll have to knock 10 people down so that I can get to that lever to throw it. Maybe all 10 of them are making sure the lever is not getting thrown. And so I've got to beat them all up just to where I can get that lever to where I can throw it. You see, we don't know... All of the details in a hypothetical question. The hypothetical question, we try to make it simple. The hypothetical question is simple so that we can get a simple solution. The fact is is
0: that things are never simple. Yeah. The things are always complicated. Mm
1: -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that we can do. One of them, when we're just voting, is just, let's go join one of the uh, sheep herds. So that if my dog has uh, more sheep that he's barking at, that makes him a better sheep dog than the other sheep dog that is barking at sheep. And how many sheep can he get collected into a herd? So instead of just joining the sheep herd, there's other things to do. One of them is go and start talking to sheep on both sides and get them to leave the herd. Another one is to go talk to the dog, the barking dog, and see if we can get him to shut up, go home. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to herd sheep. Okay, so this is um, uh, many different options that we have. And that uh whether you vote or not is merely a hypothetical.
0: Oh, you should vote. End of story. Yeah, that's simplified. Uh,
3: I mean I, I think I get what you're saying. I think um I was mostly just trying to raise the question of like, you know, we're we're living our lives, we're confronted with situations that have like obvious like Obviously, good or obviously bad impacts. Should we, you know, take a particular action? Um, You know, even if it's ambiguous, whether or not the result will come into effect.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: You know, so you're going back to the mentality of a good guy with a
1: gun. Hmm? Now you're back to being a good guy with a gun. Good guy with a gun.
3: Uh, Mm -hmm. Thing. I wish there was another example. Um, There's a Zen koan about. something uh or i don't know somebody's hanging from a tree and then like somebody comes up and asks for directions and like it's like what is the person supposed to do let go of the tree and uh so that he can point in the correct correct way um and so it seems like in that situation kind of like what you're saying is that the best option would be to like not do anything because then uh it would have some physical harm on you um in that that person can go wander around and be lost but inaction there is like probably the best option um
1: well actually in a way i'm not saying yes or no yeah I'm because saying, i guess you are look at what you're doing yeah you're to just weigh not being your a part of society you're not a part of society
3: so you're not going to take part of it mm-hmm. um yeah i mean so you're saying this idea that there are good actions and bad actions is
1: just untrue. Um, untrue, that we, because we do not know the outcome of the future. We just simply don't know what the future is going to be.
0: So and It could
1: possibly be that the, the United States would be much better off if Trump was uh, voted in a second time. A lot of people think that. 65 million people think that.
3: All right, so if we walk by somebody drowning,
1: um, we can take an
3: action, throw a rope, Um, let's ignore that there might be a thousand people on the beach. Let's assume there's only one person on the beach. We have a rope in our hand, very low cost. We could save them. Um, But we don't know that we could save them. We don't know that they will survive. They could be drowning already. So it's really kind of, uh, we could just walk by and remain morally unscathed. We could uh, be fine if we, didn't throw him a rope in And that's
1: let's it. say that we walked by the beach Or we walked along the beach And there was a guy right out there Drowning and yelling for help Yeah. But we didn't see him We didn't hear him We're not aware of him And we continue to walk down the beach yeah, but in we In that see the... case Is it moral mm. To let him drown Because we didn't know That he was drowning
3: because uh, we, did, I mean, we didn't know. We can't, you know, we can't choose either way there. But well, I was in a way, we, we can say that,
1: well, wait we a minute, a you weren't paying attention. That if you had merely looked at it to see or merely opened your ears instead of um, worrying about the conversation you're going to have with your boss, that you would have seen him.
3: Yeah, then I'd agree that could be an amoral. Yeah, that would be amoral to be not paying attention Um so that you would not be able to take that action,
1: 100%. Exactly. So a lot of people are, by voting, are acting immorally. Yes. So voting itself is not necessarily a moral act. Not necessarily. But could you vote? Um
0: I mean, yeah, I
3: mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. It's just like, you know, could you, could you with wisdom vote in a way? uh, Could you be like,
1: here's the thing. If you have one bad um, candidate, one mediocre, strongly mediocre candidate, and one really good candidate. Okay, honestly. But that one really good candidate is a third party and is unlikely to win the election. Is it moral to vote for that third candidate, knowing that he's the better candidate, but that he's not got a chance to win?
3: No, because you could have uh, helped the person that's less bad win. Um, But let me just say, like, the voting example, I'm not personally tied to. I think there's probably, like, decent arguments, like you're talking about, to, like, not engage with the political process. What I care about is that drowning person scenario or that trolley person. Like, is it okay to help that person um, like even if there maybe be some minor harm like maybe yeah or like trolley problem like if you if
1: all I, right I let's think go we're back just caught to the, up on the pol- problem.
3: political part like uh, the, should we just not let's, like help the lots of people because it would like stain our soul to like hurt the smaller amount of people
1: the, the answer to that is again with wisdom are you sure that your actions are going to be harmful or not.
3: Harmful or not harmful.
1: Yeah, harmful There's or no not more. no harmful. harmful or less harmful, right? In other words, if I do nothing and something harmful happens, that's not my job. But if I do something to save these people or those people and that causes harm to these people over here, then I've taken a harmful action to harm these people
0: hmm. OK. And I'm going to feel really bad that I took an action that harmed a lot of people.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. But if I do nothing and uh, and that and it saves those people that I would have harmed, then I am blameless for harming those people because they received no harm. These people were going to get harmed anyway. The scenario was set up that they're the ones that are going to be harmed. And so I'm blameless for those people because I didn't set this thing up. But I'm saying, and more than that, is is that often we don't have just a binary choice that this uh, hypothetical uh, trolley car scenario has set up—to either throw or to not throw um, the lever. Now, let's look at it in more complexity. Maybe that you know and are good friends or that you know and are your big enemies with one of the other side. Okay, so you're saying,
3: back to that, you're just saying it's contrived in that the people...
1: uh, It's contrived to make it too simple. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, the
3: people that set up this scenario would be morally culpable for whatever, like, deaths occur. Right. Uh, Whereas you can walk away blameless. I can walk away blameless. Even if like many more people died, even if you could have like changed the outcome, because it's not, it would be amoral for you to decide who lives and who dies in that situation. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Okay. Okay. So
1: let's take this then to the coronavirus thing. There are uh, many people in the medical profession who are actively engaged in uh, the hospital issues around the coronavirus. And they've been doing it for months. Many of them are exhausted. Many of them have died from coronavirus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's that's the job and that's the profession that they're in. Now, someone says, coming off the street, oh, isn't it terrible so many people are dying in this hospital? Let me go myself into the ICU and try to help people. Mm-hmm. But... Because um, of conditions or whatever like that. I also catch the coronavirus from the people that I'm trying to help. And I die. Mm -hmm. Is that morally responsible for me to die? and my family and friends uh, unhappy over my death because I was trying to go help someone? Or is it not more moral for each person? 100% One hundred percent of us to say the corona is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Let us stay away from people so as to make sure that uh, the coronavirus does not affect me. Mm. And if and if uh, three hundred million people voluntarily went into seclusion, then only the people who already have the coronavirus would would uh, die from it. And the and the digest would stop because nobody caught it, because nobody was um doing it. Okay. So if everybody went into seclusion, or with a few people, let us say less than two or three percent of the people still had to have jobs uh and and did their work, but they were extraordinarily cautious. They wore M ninety five masks rather than the, the common mask. Mm-hmm. They washed all the time and they made sure that they stayed um, completely distant from people. Isn't that a moral thing to do rather than trying to vote for a politician who is going to do something about making people wear a masks? Okay, so just to, uh, I think this is clarified a lot for me
3: in that, okay, so in the trolley problem,
0: I agree that it's contrived.
1: And if I individually take action that's going to harm people, then I'll know that. That's a confessionable item. Let me get that off my chest. But standing and watching a whole lot of people die in a contrived situation, I can at least do nothing. Or uh, perhaps point my finger at those are the guys who killed all of those people. They're the ones who made up the co- the, the trolley uh, scenario.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess like, I see that. Yes, the people that set up the trolley scenario morally culpable. Um, if you were in a situation to pull the lever, like would not pulling the lever and saying to yourself well, I'm not the one responsible for this situation, but that leaves some sort of stain. Um, And you're saying, no, that wouldn't leave a stain because you're not responsible for the situation. And I can respect that and like understand where you're coming from. Um, It seems murky though. You're
1: still at the point of of the, the answer or the solution. And I'm getting, and I'm trying to keep pushing you back to ask more questions. Let's really understand the situation so that we can ask wisely.
3: So you're saying we don't know the outcome. We, don't we know. do
1: not know the outcome. We will never know the outcome. All we can know is what's the right thing to do now.
3: Okay, so we should not think about the future or the past. We should just accept the present for what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Um in that by... And then don't mess with it. Back to the word Atamayata. Don't go messing with Myra because you don't know what Myra is going to do. Okay. In that, like,
3: I don't know, favoring one politician over the other is kind of a form of clinging and saying, like, I clinging. we're clinging to some good over some bad, like perceived good over perceived and, bad.
1: And it's my politician. And it's my vote for my politician So when that politician winds up being a loser, I'm a loser. Or when that politician winds up being a bad politician, then that means that I'm a bad voter because I voted for a bad politician. But I can't do that. I've got to see my vote as a good vote. Therefore, I've got to see my politician as a good politician and I have to see him that way because of the way I feel about myself. And I am not allowing myself to actually investigate to see what a real scoundrel he is. And I voted for him anyway. And a few people are doing that. That's part of the reason why Biden won is because enough people who voted for Trump the first time recognized that it was a really bad idea to do that. And so a few people woke up that much. that much wake up. Yeah.
3: uh, Okay, so.
1: But the real wakey-wakey is to recognize that the entire political world is a cesspool. And if I get into that cesspool trying to find a candidate, I'm going to
0: get cess all over me. Okay, so we don't want to. So when things are uncertain.
3: Okay, if there's some sort of uncertainty. (laughs) or, like, some sort of, like, engagement with, like, the future. You know, that's not something we can do.
0: Um. And, yeah, I guess if we pass somebody that's drowning.
3: I feel like we'd, why not help? Like, I mean, I guess if they're asking to be helped, like, it's
1: obvious. Um.
0: All right. Well let's change the
1: scenario from a hypothetical into a real scenario.
3: What sort of situations can we make? Sorry, what sort of decisions can we make and what sort of
0: decisions can't we make?
1: Well, let's use the example then of teaching the Dhamma. Someone knows the Dhamma, he enjoys the Dhamma, he lives the Dhamma, and someone he sees out there not living to the Dhamma and having a miserable life. Mm-hmm. If he goes out there to engage with that guy, he may start having a miserable life. You do not know whether you are going to be able to spread the joy or whether you're going to get sullied by all of the other. Mm-hmm. However, uh, and so that's a, a nebulous situation. We're not sure. But if someone, let's say that same guy, sees enough of the era in his ways, and he comes and he asks for the Dhamma, Now, morally, I am bound to give him the Dhamma, just like someone who is drowning and asking for the rescue, that you're morally bound to throw him a life draft. Mm -hmm. Okay? But when a hundred people are throwing him a life draft, I'm not morally bound to throw one.
2: Okay,
3: so like, any action made, so... In action, made like in society which i guess we've like kind of already talked about as being like mara um that's going to have unknown impacts that we can't really project that we don't have uh it'll have too much uncertainty so like we would want to limit the decisions we're making on like a personal basis you know people can like ask you like if somebody asks you for help then you can help them but you wouldn't want to go but because of the way the world works, because we are not sure, can't be certain what's going to cause suffering or what's not going to cause suffering, then like taking an action. Without
1: an investigation, anyone can investigate any particular situation and come up with a wise answer. The problem is, is that we already think we know the answer, and so we don't bother to do the investigation.
3: Okay, and so the wise answer... In the trolley problem, I guess we have three actions that we can take there. We can take no action, let the train do whatever it's going to do, um, mm-hmm. or we can take an action, divert the train. It's going to kill people.
1: Less people will you die. An- mm-hmm. Well, um, we, again, it is hypothetical. You're only telling me that. But you have told me that if I do throw that lever, people will die. Because I throw that lever. Knowing that I'm going to kill people by throwing that lever, that's an immoral thing to do is to throw that lever knowing that it's going to kill people.
3: Okay. Yeah. I guess I don't see the distinction between no accident action in that. So by like not taking an action, you're letting people, you're letting more people die.
1: I don't then, know about those people over there. That's just a hypothetical. I mean, you could What I it. know of is, is that right here, right now, if I throw that lever, people are on the track and they're, it's going to kill them. Maybe what I should say then is to throw the lever and then scream like bloody hell to tell them to get out of the way so that yeah, they don't I mean, die. I,
3: I agree that you should, like, take what – but, yeah, you're just saying you should – maybe there's other, <laughs> other answers that reduce and less suffering. Or like right. and
1: and all we can do in a hypothetical is to make up those scenarios just like the hypothetical was made up in the first place in a real situation, we need to investigate to get as much information as possible so that we can uh make a wise decision mm-hmm. and in in this case, the whole point was voting or not voting. the answer to that is. Each individual voter has to look at how he feels. But we cannot say... that if he wants a particular outcome, then he is in danger of being disappointed if he doesn't get what he wants. The question is, can you remain noble and aloof and not part of the world?
3: Okay, so we choose who we associate, I, I need to leave soon, but we, we choose who, we want to choose who to associate with. Like we talked about that earlier today. We say like, we want to look at the qualities that they present to us in the world. Like, um, so like, I would want to like associate with noble people, um, like these, you know, people that, you know, exude the Brahma Vaharas, like this is how their relationships are with other people. Um, I guess we could only really inspect that With people that are close to us, with people that we have direct interactions with, um, that would be certain. Um, I guess it just seems like you could do the same thing for a politician. Um, I don't know. You could say it's a local politician that maybe you have personal interactions with. You could evaluate, you know, how they deal with the world, how they interact with people um, and make a decision based off that, like who you want to associate Mm -hmm. with. Um, that would be one way. I mean, that, that seems kind of like a decision
1: um, that you would take. But here you would have, because you had a personal relationship with that politician, you could have some influence. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know that politician and he doesn't know you, then your vote is going to mean very little. An individual vote.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, it seems like it comes down to certainty. And even when we were talking about the trolley problem, you were, you were talking, you bring up the uncertainty of what the, your actions will bring about. Um, yeah, I mean, I get that partaking in some systems could like lead to you getting wrapped up in them, you know, and like personally, like probably got too invested in like uh, politics over the past year, Um or whatever but like if we could look at these people's effects on the world and come to a, like a reasonable conclusion that one would be better for the better than the other for, like a lot of people um i mean i i, I see like why you're mm-hmm. laughing but it almost seems like a political decision to like be removed from it um mm-hmm It doesn't feel immediately useful it doesn't feel like it follows any sort of like um like we're helping we're acting in a compassionate way um i do get what you're saying that it's almost like a paradox by like enacting is like leading to the more moral action
1: Mm -hmm. um it just make sure that you don't get too wrapped up in trying to decide hypotheticals that those are just concepts. The trolley well, we were also issues. using politics
3: as kind of a hypothetical. In that we were character, like they were caricatures that we were talking about. We weren't talking about, you know, the actual mm-hmm. effects of those people. Um, mm-hmm. So in some ways, the way that you were presenting it was a caricature. And some, I guess, like the, uh, you know, the trolley problem is kind of a caricature problem. It's like not a real thing that you face in your life. Um, it just seems like that well, we do face a lot of uncertainty. Um,
1: yes, that's the whole point, is is that we cannot, in advance, know that it is good to vote for Joe Biden and it is bad to vote for Donald Trump. Or, so you the just other don't do anything go, that, that you're don't know of. in advance that it's right to vote for Donald Trump and wrong to vote for Biden. So don't All take any actions people, that have a higher nobody probability. Knows.
3: Don't engage in probabilistic thinking. Is Look at how saying? you feel.
1: Look at how you feel. You're talking about about all of the action, and I keep talking about investigation before you do any action.
3: Yeah, but I'm assuming we've done an investigation and been like, okay, this action will lead to one outcome. This action will, like... Well, your vote
1: is not going to lead to any outcome at all other than spending a day in line voting.
3: Uh, I mean, even that's a... Even that is a caricature of the problem that you're bringing up. Like, um, you know, if I'm engaging, like, I understand that, you know, bring up trolley problem, these things are like hypotheticals, but even what you're saying is a hypothetical.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. So the real situation, not the hypothetical, because the hypothetical, we can just hypo and all we want to about it. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we need to investigate the situation to find out various ways of dealing with it. Back to the, uh, the, the trolley. So we just don't uh, engage. So we just want to
3: not engage with society. That seems kind of.
1: If you have looked at it and recognized that it is not useful, valuable, wholesome to engage with society, then we don't. Okay. And that's generally the case. Mm-hmm. However, in the case of one person drowning... One person yelling, and one person on the beach with a rope. Now we've got the invest. That's the investigation, and we can see that yes, this would be very wholesome to go do something about this.
3: Because they're yelling.
0: Because They've we know asked it. These ask for help. He's asked for help. Hmm. The kind of help that we can give him. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think with the person drowning, like,
3: if they're not asking for help, maybe they got... I mean, there's this... Really, I'm just trying to ask, is it okay to try to help people with uncertain information? And I think the answer is no.
1: I don't know that. It, but if the, if the situation is uncertain then maybe the thing to do is more investigation
0: <laughs> maybe they drowned
1: i don't know
3: like sometimes things have a timeline sometimes you got to make a call
1: you're right sometimes we do mm-hmm. so all of it has to do with investigation and with uh uh actually that that would not take a long investigation that can be done in 2 seconds Okay. Guy drowning, two hundred people here trying to save him. That doesn't take long to figure out. Yep. Guy drowning, and I'm the only one who can do it.
2: That yeah, you're investigation
1: just saying doesn't take very
0: long.
3: Yeah, you're just saying it has to, we have to do a cost benefit analysis. If the cost is too high, you know, don't engage. Mm-hmm. In the you know, in the case of the trolley problem, engaging with the trolley problem, even approaching it, even if you're aware of it. Um, Cost is too high to even contemplate
1: pulling you the throw lever. The the cost is really too high.
3: Cost is too high. Okay. Uh, yeah, drowning, you know, have to assess the situation,
0: case by case basis. Um,
1: but with the trolley problem, the, an investigation would show many different solutions. One of them is to throw, the, uh, throw it uh, the lever and yell at all the people to get out of the way the few people or you can not throw it but instead not even go anywhere near the lever what you do is you tell everybody on the other side all the big crowd hey there's a trolley coming get
0: yeah, off that's, the tracks
1: that's all i'm saying though that's like
3: that's all i'm trying to tease out of you is that you know take the action um that is most appropriate
1: mm-hmm. based upon an investigation
3: Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying is like, you know, you do your investigation, you look at what's around you and then you take the right action. I guess just what you're saying is like the cost is too high to engage with politics that that like any effect in a vote could have is just like too, like, you know, the stress of like researching which candidate is going to win, like the likelihood that your vote actually matters. Like all these things are too high for you personally to engage with that.
1: Almost anyone, once they make that cost-benefit analysis. For instance, weeks before or months before the the election, I have already decided, uh, based upon what little bit of investigation that I've done, that that candidate is better than this candidate, and so therefore I want to vote for that candidate. Mm-hmm. And then on the news, they talk about the, the candidate that I'm liking and intending to vote for is not doing very well. Because mm-hmm. he's not doing very well, I don't like it because I want to vote for him and I want him to win. Therefore, I'm going to feel bad. And so I start watching the news. And every time the news says something good about him, I go up. And every time the news says bad something about him, I go down. And I'm up, down, up, down, up, down, depending upon the uh, the action. Why? Because I identify now with that uh, politician.
3: Yeah, I don't, I agree. I completely agree with that in that, um, you know, the way we, like, if you could engage with it in a very bad way, I mean, like, I don't know, I could list off, like, a dumb situation where, like, you know, it actually didn't, like, you're just kind of like, voted one way and then just like didn't even tune into election mm-hmm. day like you just let it right like now that's probably not super possible um so all of the politicians yeah, I, that's the, like what you're telling me now is like a far cry from like i guess how the discussion started um and then like yeah when we do approach that trolley problem all you're saying is like yeah we want to perform our investigation and choose the right action and maybe the right action is like pulling the lever jumping on the train pulling the brakes but like it's okay like if we can to like help people um now you're saying that if there was a choice between 100 lives and 10 lives that's still going to hurt you very much so maybe the situation there the cost of people die
1: and i had nothing to do with it is different than 10 people are dead and i caused it
3: yes i i see that like i see what you're saying there and that like There's a personal cost that can't be ignored. It's not as simple as, you know, Mm -hmm. pulling the lever. Um, But it is also not as cut and dry as like. um, Absolutely don't do something just because there's some ambiguity.
1: Well, don't do something because you're told to do it. Yeah. To look and investigate that, in fact both of the barking dogs all politicians you can see is barking dogs and all of the people are like sheep and when the dog barks the sheep get into a herd so when the dogs are out there barking we have to watch to make sure that because he's barking and and the, this dog is barking saying that dog and his group are bad and that dog over there is barking and saying this group is good and that group over there is bad. All right. So they're basically pointing fingers at each other. It is better then to not get involved or want to cling or to hold to either side, because either side that you cling to and hold to and identify with is going to be a source of suffering.
3: Okay. So it wouldn't be possible with normal human faculties to be able to perform an investigation in that scenario.
2: hmm
1: Okay. And generally, the investigation is, wait a minute, I really don't know. It is, it, and it is not so easy for people who see what a criminal uh, Donald Trump is for them to investigate enough to say, wait a minute, Maybe him being president is not as bad as they say it is. I mean, uh, there's also a lot of of barking dogs in the media. That, in fact, if the media is not out there barking, they've got no job. An example of that is one group of people who is adamantly, adamantly against the Republican Party in all cases. Adamantly against them. And yet they don't even talk about the uh, the Republican Party much because uh their audience and they already see that the Republicans are just done with, not worthy of it but this now uh television announcer or this uh youtube uh, poster he's screaming at about how bad the Democrats are because they're cor- uh, they're also corrupt and that he's a progressive, and only progressives are good and The general Democrats are bad and the Republicans are really, really terrible. But here he is now spending almost all of his time screaming about how bad the Democrats are, of how how wishy-washy they are and how Biden is not going to um, um, prosecute Donald Trump. And they want to have a general good feel and all of that. And yet a lot of people in the progressives, they hate that idea because they hate Donald Trump so much. They can't stand
0: that uh, Biden wants to be a peacemaker. So all we have is
1: just a bunch of barking dogs.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a simple way to look at it. Um,
0: I don't well, know. That's I our think we also for
1: the point of investigation. We have to now say okay let us actually investigate that we can't just listen to that barking dog because we agree with him and to hate all the other barking dogs. No, we have to actually listen to what every barking dog is saying and when we do, we can begin to figure out that that's what they really are. They're all just barking dogs and I can just take my little sheep body and not join any herd at all and can go off and have my own freedom. Uh,
3: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get your you're saying. It
1: just seems like a cop-out. Yeah! Isn't it about time that we copped out of that stuff? It's about time we get out of the mud pit and, and uh, take a bath and stop fighting with pigs. Let's stop mud-wrestling. Let's cop out. Yeah, we do I mean, not have to take to on, on the responsibility life. because those people in politics tell us that we're being irresponsible because we don't vote. their side
3: yeah i mean politics is an easy example to look at and just say it's like messed up oh no Um, it's not
1: we've been at it for more than an hour now
3: (laughs) no i'm saying it's like very plain but like if you look at a yeah i mean i think politics is like less clear-cut than a lot of things um yeah i guess i would just hope that like i'd be able to help the people around me um like that I would want to like wake up and choose actions that kind of help the people around me. Um, and you know, maybe that's ben not teach the, the
1: dhamma. Hmm? If you really want to help people, then teach them the Dharma. Yeah. I mean, and that's like
3: a legitimate answer as well. Uh, but it just seems like in through throughout life that will be presented with, um, situations that are, you know, not clear cut that we'll have to perform an investigation on that may have, you know, unintended side effects and sort of, uh, Sort of withdrawing completely from society, um, we'll have to make those, and then then maybe I'll just have to understand that those will have some impact on me, mm-hmm. um, and eventually maybe recognize that I'd have to withdraw completely in order to remain unstained. Um, which could be true. It just seems uh, kind of. I just want to help people around me. Uh, I mean, like it's, I want to have a compassionate like worldview. Um, but wanting that doesn't mean that it's necessarily true.
1: Well, the compassionate worldview is to be compassionate to the people that you know, the people you talk to, the people you engage with, and to not give too much thought to the people you don't know, never heard of, and all you have is stories. Yeah, I agree 100%. Can you be compassionate? Can you be friendly? Can you speak Dhamma? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: just, uh, you know, look at what's immediately around you. Um, and could if you did
1: that, there would be no politics. There wouldn't be any politics. People would not vote. Yeah, I just feel like, it, can you go through life without...
3: Only unhappy people vote. ...passing by somebody. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's just going to be some ambiguous situations that I face in life that are going to be difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, there are more options than are apparent, though. I mean, withdrawing's totally not engaging. It's totally
0: a thing. Um, yeah, it just seems like we should be able to help people. I don't know. Like, the, the trolley
3: problem, the drowning person. You, you these can,
1: but perfect. that doesn't mean that because you want to help people that your intentions are always correct spot on and that you, when you intend to help people you always do help people. That's not yeah, of
3: course we'd wanna like case. Yeah. That's why we I don't know, cultivate our like inner qualities to be able to discern what's mm-hmm. right and wrong.
1: So it all boils down to what Bhikkhu Dasa told me that time is look at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because I gave him the question I used um, That I had heard about meditation Of um, work and stress And strenuous work and all of that And uh, so the the statement is If at first you don't succeed Try, try again Mm -hmm. That's, That's civilization for us But he said to me No. If at first you don't succeed, look at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Investigate. Keep investigating and keep learning from your mistakes, as opposed to thinking that we know, like who to vote for, that in fact the more investigation that you see, the more dirt you see. And you don't see politicians coming up with bright, shining qualities because everybody's pointing at fingers in all directions and every politician winds up getting dirty.
3: Yeah, it just feels like ignorance to, you know, not look at the world around you.
1: Right. So investigate. Look closely.
2: That's but what I'm, more saying.
3: Closely, <laughs> I'm saying. Look closely. Huh? That's Pardon? what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm the student. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying, like, perform your investigation, and, like, that should
0: lead you, I don't know, somewhere in the ballpark of a good answer. Because there's no bad answers. No bad answers. No bad answers. No bad answers. answers. Okay, well, I've
3: got to go. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, this has been almost three hours. I really enjoyed this. Thanks yeah, for super sorry such for such a hard so time.
3: <laughs> I, I really appreciate talking to you. I have a lot to think about. Um, yeah, and just thank you so much. I really appreciate our talks. Um, I don't know. I think that is a hard question to kind of grapple with. Like, what do you do when there's ambiguity? Or like, um, you know, what if you know? How does society affect the way we like think and perceive things? That's a lot of what you're getting at, like, you know, politicians and whatnot. They're, like, crafting narratives um, mm-hmm. trying to influence the way we act. Um, you know, how do we, like, is it even possible for us to, like, engage with that healthily? And, uh, yeah, I don't got any of the answers, but hopefully the investigation leads to uh, something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know
1: anymore. Comfortableness. A sangha of Friends. That's what this investigation run leads to. Mm-hmm. Welcome, friend. <laughs>
2: well, thanks a ton, I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> we'll see you later. I'm gonna go take a go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go.